They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. In this case, it's the story or, or the experience of mystical death and rebirth, like when everything falls apart and there is a chance for things to grow anew. And uh, this seems to be pretty important to a lot of people's lives, especially successful people's lives or people who are very reflective that they go through something, you know, which forces them to completely uh, rebuild their understanding of themselves and the world and that kind of stuff. So yeah, this uh, I went through, you know, it was this climax of my <laughs> unfortunate early life experiences as I mentioned earlier and it was like totally different uh, or like a rebirthing yeah old convictions you know things that, to hold you back no longer being of any relevance or certain fears no longer being there and over time I found out that uh, yeah this kind of process it's described in the first three Masonic tracing boards it's described in the major arcana of the tarot it's kind of implied in the tree of life and in all sorts of different systems yeah it's the whole hero's journey story too. Welcome to the One on One Podcast with your host, Juan Ayala. Welcome back to another episode of the One on One Podcast. I'm your host as always. Today we're doing something a little bit different. As you can see in the video, I am Morpheus and we are in VR chat and I have a special guest with us today. I have a, I have a frog with us today, but he's not just any ordinary frog. He's an esoteric frog. He's an occult frog. He's tarot reader frog. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, Juan? How's it going? Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's so funny talking to you, like having a a magician frog talk to me right now in front of me it's pretty trippy yeah i figured it works kind of disarming you know uh i kind of like it <laughs> <laughs> so taro can you share with the listeners what you do who you are a little bit about yourself and then obviously i came across your 
awesome project. I am a Patreon, a patron, so check that out. Can you plug whatever social media, YouTube channel, whatever it is that you want the so people can find you and find the VR Mystery School? Yeah, sure thing. Um, yeah, so I am Tarot Reader Frog. I am the creator of VR Mystery School. It's um, yeah, kind of a new project going on for two years now, almost three years, um, where I'm trying to basically use VR technology, um, you know, social VR technology, multiplayer stuff uh, online uh, for for people to have experiences uh, together, uh, you know, interacting with uh, mystical philosophy and practice and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, there's a couple ways um, to do that. Uh, so there's the interactive VR world. There's activities, um, you know, like uh, lectures and stuff like that, meditation lessons and other things. And there's also community activities, so uh, uh, stuff where people can meet uh, with one another, hear about each other's experiences and so on. And, uh, yeah, the easiest way to find out more is at uh, the website uh, fearmystery.school. That is the whole URL. It's a bit confusing sometimes, so I'll say it again. It's just fearmystery, one word, dot school. And on there, you'll find links to the social media, to the YouTube channel with uh, lectures on it. Um, you'll find the calendar and instructions how to join, which um, you can also join if you don't have a VR headset. Uh, if you're just a PC uh, Windows user, you can download uh, the app for free and uh, yeah, join anytime. It's pretty accessible. Yeah, I think it's excellent. I've, I've been to a few of the meetings, and I want to also give a shout out to the owner of this podcast studio lens error it's podcast studio by lens error just a shout out to him because i am not able to create my own studio so and maybe later we can we can do a tour of the vr mystery school right have a run through that and yeah well that's that's one of the crazy cool things about vr right you can just jump into a studio (laughs) jump into another place at a moment's notice so uh yeah that's all great let's do it Taro, before we get into the whole VR mystery school stuff, because some people hear mystery school and they kind of freak out because one of the things that that is that is perplexing to me is the fact that there are secret societies, that there are occulted groups, right? Maybe they're lizards or not. Who knows? But we're not going to get into that right now. But <laughs> the fact that when you say mystery school, like, oh, maybe a frog. yeah, hey, maybe a frog, <laughs> maybe a frog. Yeah, uh, they. <laughs> People get kind of kind of weary, especially kind of scared. And the community that I'm a part of, we do talk about a lot of conspiracies. When they when you mention metaverse or or VR, it's automatically associated with something negative, something. Oh, they're gonna they're gonna trap us in there. Now, I do believe that there is a balance when it comes to these sort of things. And it's one thing to know that you're in a game versus when you don't know you're in a game. Some individuals take this and, and you know, Tara, you can talk to us about your experiences with people in this in this realm that some people do take this very seriously. This is some people's lives. This is some people's literal worlds. They're in here 24 seven. And if, you know, some people deal oh, yeah. with bodily bodily image issues where if they feel a certain way in, in VR, you can control that. You have a hundred percent control. I'm Morpheus right now. You know what I mean? If I want to be slimmer or, or bigger <laughs> right. or muscular or something, I can do whatever I want in the VR space. And I think you've taken it and you're utilizing it for something that is, is really interesting. Honestly, there's nobody else that I, when I came across the videos, I believe it was 
correct me if I'm wrong, his name was Gonzu. Was that his name? Right. Yeah, that's uh, the guy who did the uh, talks on Enochian magic. He's been around for uh, for quite a while as a community member, and that's his main practice for almost a decade now. So, so um, yeah, he figured, well, why not give a talk? And lucky us, he uh, yeah, he put together something really awesome. I think it's very uh, it's chock full of good information. And that's who got me here. I was doing some research on John D for an episode I'm going to be doing very soon. And I came across right. the lectures and I was like, VR mystery school? That sounds fucking crazy. So here we are. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of curious. Um, maybe now is not the time yet, but, uh, you know, I would be curious to hear, you know, like your walkthrough, your first impression of, of going into the place or like going to one of the meetings and maybe what your impressions were or, you know, how, how it hit you, uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we can get into that. I want you to talk about you, Tara. What, what, All right. what kind of practices <laughs> sure. are you into? Who are you? Why the frog? What's going on, dude? Yeah, I'll, I'll do a short intro. Um, I do feel like the project is far more interesting than I am. Um, I'm, I'm pretty much just a, a dude as any other dude on the internet with some fascination, right? Um, I guess how I got into mysticism is mostly from a personal development kind of uh, angle. I struggled for uh, yeah, a major part of my life with like chronic depression and all sorts of um, uh, issues, self-inflicted as well as... Um, you know, I guess I'm a millennial, I'm 30 years old, so I grew up on candy, on short gratification, uh, short-term gratification, you know, um, strong impulses everywhere, cartoons, games, basically, um, you know, all these factors that are, you know, if they're balanced, they're fine, but um, yeah, things weren't in balance for me, so uh, yeah, at some point, I guess that came all to a climax, where I, I hit kind of a low point, and um, yeah, something popped, uh, or whatever it was, and uh, at that point, yeah, I just had a different uh, perspective all of a sudden, you know, I was sick of the suffering, and of the, um, yeah, the wailing, and, and uh, dragging my feet around, you know, it was like a sudden flash of insight, what if I start taking responsibility for as much as I can, you know, even things that aren't my uh, responsibility. And, um, well, much later down the line, I heard that's pretty much, or figure out that's pretty much, uh, you know, the premise of stoicism and so on. So, um, yeah, it didn't take long for me to um, open up my view, you know, from like a nihilist, uh, atheist person, um, becoming more inspired and more open, you know. Um, I'm still a rebel, but... Um, you know, this idea that the youngest generation knows best, you know, that's that's no longer, <laughs> I'm no longer on board with that. That was really my conviction for a long time. So, uh, yeah, then it's almost now, um, well, I'd say at my 20th, I'm 31 now, right? So um, it's been almost a decade since I, I opened up my horizon and started looking for um, inspiration and information. And that definitely, uh, you know, came through the conspiracy scene and uh, like new age uh, scene as well. Um, and yeah, just moving on from that eventually, because, well, in very short, um, you know, it's no secret that government and big government and, and like power um, against um, uh, the subject, you know, you know this is like uh, a struggle that's as old as humans are, uh, it goes on as long as we can remember. So it happens now, and I'm very much aware of that. Um, however, I realized that if I spend all of my day concerning about, you know, the small, minute details of all the things, um, 
you know, I don't have any time left to work on myself, uh, make things better or work on like, um, uh, my direct environment or helping the people around me. Um, so yeah, that's when like kind of a shift happens from, uh, you know, uh, figuring out what's wrong with the world with, uh, yeah, going into more like figuring out what is good with the world and how can you make it better again for yourself or the direct environment for, um, yeah, the sphere of influence you have. And that's turned out to work much better. So, um, yeah, it's been quite a while now since I uh, rolled from, yeah, the new agey stuff, which is kind of, you know, like throwing everything together. Uh, I learned to appreciate more going into source texts and, um, you know, like, um, for example, hermeticism is such a loaded, um, thing these days and there's so much associated with it, but you know, the real hermetic philosophy is only uh, a book of less than a hundred pages. Um, and there's many ways to go from there, but yeah, I realized it's good to start at the beginning, um, find out the details and then see, uh, you know, how people have been trying to apply these things, uh, in different periods in time, you know, in different layers of society. Um, and I found out there's actually so much to all of this. Uh, you could really just call it philosophy or spiritual philosophy, at which point it's no longer like the scary occult. It's more like... Yeah, just a different uh, perspective to take on making things um, more sensible, you know, um, refining a more reasonable model of reality, uh, as weird as this sounds to something like occultism, you know, but as I learned to understand it, it's really about uh, elevation of the self and like um, ascension, um, but not in a transhumanist way. It's really about becoming more human, you know, becoming uh, or growing into you, yourself and who you really are. Uh, undoing all of the um, weights that are weighing you down, uh, you know, like trauma and negative experiences and memories and things that dictate your automatic behaviors and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, while there's non-occult ways to work on all this, like self-psychology and uh, all these different kind of, of perspectives that I really appreciate still as well, I just noticed that, you know, whether it's Buddhism, um, kind of the occultism of the East, <laughs> or Western esotericism, you know, or, or Western traditions, or even stuff coming from the Americas or from other indigenous and pagan traditions, there's so much that can uh, serve to inspire. And and this is the side of all of this that I'm focusing on, you know, I realized that um, humans can take anything and turn it into some kind of a, a tool for exerting power or... Um, having undue influence over others or, or trying to sabotage things and all that, you know, but people can use other tools for that too. It's not, it's not, um, you know, it can be done with the internet. It can be done with publishing. doesn't mean the internet is bad or publishing is bad. It's just, uh, you know, people who abuse it, they're uh, at fault. And, uh, doesn't mm -hmm. mean that nobody else gets, gets to enjoy these, these kind of things, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah, and again, it's kind of demystifying, you know, sounds really cool, all the occult stuff, but really, it's just philosophy for life, in my opinion, uh, that you can also directly experience, which is super interesting. The term that we use... Sorry for rambling on there. No, you're good, you're good. The term that we use for, for this idea of you know enlightenment and, and spirituality, Sam Tripley labeled it conspirituality, because looking into these topics of all nature and like you said the the government the elites 
we know that they're corrupt we know that they do shitty things we know that they lie we know that they manipulate they steal they kill they do all these things Uh, but always when you're looking into these conspiracies it always leads you back to god and i am not i don't subscribe to any i was born and raised pentecostal christian i've talked about on the show many times before and i don't subscribe to the model of organized religion because it is a brokered experience it is a you can only achieve divinity through us hence anybody else that is against us will die that's why the gnostics were killed off and in any other esoteric order because it was a humanist movement how you're saying it's about humanism it's about finding within that kundalini or whatever you want to call it at the end of the day and achieving that enlightenment and with organized religion it's like hey no 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 we got to make money off of you and if you're good enough tarot if you're if you're a good enough frog we're going to save you a seat in frog heaven but you got to be good and you got to give your tithings every single week and you got to be a good little frog or else you're never going to make it into heaven right so they they dictate what you can and can't do and it shouldn't be like that it should be through your own gnosis, whatever that gnosis is to you, it's that your sacred knowledge, you're able to ascend through the eons and and do whatever you need to be doing. So conspirituality is the, the word that we use. And yes, the government being shady, but the fact that the government uses the occult or the esoteric to manipulate the masses, that's what I find interesting. Tarot, that's what I like talking about because we know that they use magic <laughs> to influence people. And I haven't finished The Tree of Life, A Study in Magic by Israel regarding the, the book that you recommended to me. I am only 6% in according to my, my Kindle here. And I started reading it. I will work my way through. So maybe when I'm done with that, I can have you back on and we can talk about that because obviously as a practitioner of magic uh, as yourself what what is what is magic to you what what would you because i know you say you have a different view on it than the regular mainstream hollywood harry potter because i i like the harry potter version i like to be able to shoot fireballs and (laughs) summon things right bro so what's magic to you yeah i guess you uh, you should real quickly backtrack a little bit you know that definitely the whole um yeah the whole thing about uh, governments using this kind of stuff you know i've heard the rumors too i've seen some things here and there uh, i know that uh, you know the knowledge of cognitive psychology alone uh, can be like a form of black magic you know i've also been to design um, college where they go into certain aspects of you know how can you design an application so uh, it becomes addicting you know and not necessarily that they were endorsing it you know we actually had to write um, uh, essays on the ethics of this um, but yeah it's it's like uh, there's so much going on I, I don't even think if they're using magic it's the most important thing you know um, but at least for me certainly at this point it's not uh, I guess I've just hit a point in my life where I'm just mostly trying to figure out um, you know what is helping uh, the day-to-day life to uh, improve and you know things like personal development and uh, you know what can be done to achieve this and yeah, also the whole project is about just passing uh, on trivia and, and useful sources and information so people can do this themselves um, uh, sorry what was your question before that like what am i practicing myself or sorry um, uh, what does 
magic mean to me, right? Yeah, what is magic? Um, yeah, I think there's two terms that are worth defining. Um, and uh, it's a little bit hard, too, because uh, both of them have uh, yeah, different definitions through the ages and depending on who you ask and so on. Uh, but there are mysticism and magic, right? And I guess mysticism is more, um, to me at least, something of... Uh, a kind of a flavor of philosophy or a kind of experience you can have uh, that intimates something, you know, like the, the gnosis you were speaking of, some kind of epiphany, uh, whether it is about yourself or about the outside world. Um, you know, it's, it's an experience of, um, of something that is hard to put to words, but once you get back from it, you know, the world has become a little more sensible or... You, you know a little more, um, maybe, again, about the world or yourself. Uh, and magic, uh, oh, so sorry, and mysticism, it's more of a thing that you undergo, I would say. Magic is like, uh, again, many definitions. I think the most popular one these days is like uh, to create um, effect in accordance with will. And again, this implies that you can change things about um, out there reality. Um, but... To me as well, most importantly, is that with a C or K? Affecting change within myself uh, doesn't really matter, in my opinion. <laughs> the K was uh, put there by Crowley uh, because he he kind of wanted to make it stand out. But um, yeah, over the years, uh, it's become not super relevant. I would say. Yeah, I just ask because a lot of people uh, yeah, are real so to... sticklers with that. Like, oh, it's with a K, bro. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, dude. Yeah, I mean, um, it helps maybe uh, to, you know, distinguish, but um, I think there's a lot of people who will understand when you're having this kind of conversation what, what is implied anyway, um, even when the K is missing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so to create change in accordance with will, right? Um, I think one of the things you can do with magic is, again, a fast track personal development, you know, invite all sorts of radical experiences into your life that will uh, force you to evolve and grow uh, positively. And uh, of course, this isn't always risk free, <laughs> but it works. Um, yeah, that's why a lot of people are into it. Yeah, absolutely. So you were saying you were battling internal things. I think we all go through bouts of depression and you were trying to find yourself. So what what sort of practice are you into? I know you've talked a lot about the, is it the Golden Dawn a system that you use? Yeah, it was like a kind of a meandering. Uh, actually, I wrote down in my notes uh, uh, kind of a chronology. <laughs> Just one second. Right, so I guess it started really with um, just ideas that uh, I thought I um, figured out myself. So um, changing your own cognitive psychology a little bit, you know, okay, when I notice myself down-talking myself all of a sudden, you know, getting stuck in this like um, downward spiral of negative thoughts, I just need to like cram a, an iron rod in between the cogs, you know, so the machine stops rolling by itself. You know, that was like my first um, mentalism, whatever magic kind of exercise. Um, after that, I guess I realized this was useful. So I started looking into more like psychology and self-psychology stuff like um, Napoleon Hill and um, uh, what's his name? The guy, uh, yeah, the secret. I mean, uh, don't get me started about it. It's no good. I realized that. But um, uh, uh, Bob Proctor, right. 
he was a cool guy and some of the things he said are very useful you know about reprogramming your machine to uh, you know the habits need to change if you want different outcomes and that was really what i experienced too it's like all these negative things happening internally well they're mostly the result of like habits that i formed you know it's how i react to things um yeah, and then you get in, in touch with stuff like Stoicism and Buddhism. They um, have much of these ideas, but much more elaborate. Um, and they come up with, you know, um, like a reasoning that um, helps you make sense of it. And also, especially in the case of Buddhism, they give you very uh, basic um, practices to start fighting back against, you know, uh, intrusive thoughts, automatic unconscious behaviors and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and then I kind of rolled into more paganism, kind of, uh, you know, even Wicca stuff here and there. I wasn't really sure uh, at that point what I was looking for, but I, I knew, you know, that uh, the Western esoteric angle was an interesting one to take. And um, yeah, uh, came with, up with like uh, Kibalion, um, and I eventually, you know, uh, it calls itself hermetic. <laughs> Uh, which many people think it's a hermetic work, uh, but it's actually not. We can go into that later too. But actually, it did open the door for me to actual hermeticism. So, um, yeah, and then from that on, it's uh, just one step away from uh, the rediscovery of hermetic philosophy in the Renaissance uh, in Europe, you know, and that's where, like, the big magical boom happened uh, based on this stuff and based on Kabbalah, uh, Jewish Kabbalah and uh, uh, mystical Christianity and all that stuff mixing together. Then later on, you've got the modern occult revival, uh, I think it's called, in like um, 1850s. That's when the Golden Dawn shows up and when they put together um, all this material and theory and practice from all these different uh, traditions predating them. Uh, they come up with some cool origin myths, you know, about how supposedly that wisdom actually goes back to the Egyptians and so on. But... Well, maybe indirectly it does, but those guys certainly uh, didn't find it <laughs> in an Egyptian tomb. You know, they just wrote it up themselves from all of the material they had uh, collected and so on. Um, but yeah, that's um, even though it's man-made and it's heavily criticized uh, since its inception, I still feel like uh, it's a good system, um, if only because it kind of navigates you through most of the philosophies and uh, practices that are relevant to Western esotericism and magic. So, um, yeah, I'm currently still going through like a, a relatively beginner kind of um, book that helps you just, yeah, pick up these things on your own pace. Um, and eventually I'm hoping to become uh, an eclectic again. <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of a, my, my journey through all these traditions. And uh, I think... You know, in general, my opinion is every spiritual or mystical tradition that is, you know, sincere has something good to offer. Um, also a lot of bad, probably. But I'm not looking for that stuff. I'm just looking for what's uh, helpful. Um, and there's a little bit of risk in that, you know, in like um, skimming over things or shopping or cherry picking. But I'll say that there's just... Um, a huge benefit from investigating different traditions, uh, different philosophers... How would you uh, different systems of spirituality and so on? It's just really helpful. What What do you mean by that, Taro? Uh, what are the dangers of? Because me, I'm not I'm not a practicing occultist, even though some people like to believe I am. I am, I guess, an occult, an esoteric researcher. I look into these sort of topics, 
but I look at it from a, again, scholarly point of view, research-based. Some people would argue saying that that's bad, but I have my, I haven't experienced anything out of the realm of the ordinary to say that it is bad. You know what I mean? I haven't, but also that mindset, right? Another one of the principles, which I know you said is not the original, but uh, the principles of the, the, uh, the Kabbalion is, uh, you know, uh, all is mental. So also if you let it infiltrate your mind, you are giving it power over, you know what I mean? If, if you start reading about some Goetia or something, or you think that your sickness is coming from a curse yeah. or something, it's going to, it's going to manifest itself. So I look at these things strictly from a scholarly point of view. I find it extremely interesting and extremely fascinating. But what do you mean by that? That it's, it is kind of dangerous to shop around and not really married to one philosophy. What do you, oh, what do you mean well, by that? I'm, I'm not really sure if it, that particular part is dangerous. It's just, um, uh, you know, if you want to really get into some something, a topic, um, a discipline, whatever, if it's painting or if it's like Greek paganism, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Uh, you got to spend time on it and really uh, immerse in it if you want to make it your own, you know. Um, but in some cases... Uh, yeah, it's possible to glean things from certain traditions, you know, just uh, one or two insights or concepts or things that make things click for you or help things forward, uh, move forward for you. And, uh, you know, in that sense, it doesn't hurt, I believe, to just have a very broad interest and look for all sorts of different um, things that could inspire. Um, as for dangerous, dangerous side of practicing, um, you know, like... Uh, yeah, even spirituality or, or occult stuff in general. Um, well, there's like a cult, the danger of cults, right? Which is like, um, it's completely the opposite of actually um, having an open mind and uh, wanting to explore reality and, you know, refine your understanding, you know, what, what characterizes a cult, um, at least according to uh, <laughs> a bubble of at VR Mystery School, who I thought... Um, you know, he put this very nicely. And uh, there is a central authority. There is a central body of teachings. And anybody that questions either of those is, um, you know, evil or <laughs> needs punishment. Um, you know, and this is right around the corner from spirituality for some reason. You even see that there's like all sorts of weird, um, smaller and larger cults that... Um, yeah, they just go crazy with, oh, well, you, we have this part from this tradition, that part from that tradition, and they come up with this concoction that is just um, uh, alluring and appealing enough to draw people in, you know, but it doesn't actually give them the depth of the philosophy or, or the kind of, you know, true spiritual freedom or, or just personal freedom in general um, that you would hope uh, was the result, right? Uh, another thing is just uh, for some reason the people tend to focus on the mind-blowing part of these experiences you know um, and not so much on coming back from them or um, yeah another thing you mentioned if, if you focus too much on certain uh, information symbols uh, deities uh, demons whatever spend all your time on that um, no, it's just going to be at the forefront of your mind somehow or uh, color your experience. 
Yeah. You, um, you have to have some mental fortitude. Yeah, if, if you're yeah, always worried about curses, yeah, exactly. You need uh, to be in balance with yourself and all these kind of things. One of the things that is really the problem here, I suppose, is that we don't really have the um, teacher and student uh, thing going on anymore in the West. There might be some places. Um, but also, you know, that has a tendency to corrupt as well uh, <laughs> in many ways. Usually, in a traditional sense, the teacher would be the one to smack the student over the head and be like, "Are you crazy? You know, that's not what that means." Or uh, you're you're driving yourself nuts, or you're doing things right now that are unhealthy, or whatever. And they would be able to steer them on the right path. But when you're in the internet, like self-initiating, talking to people, uh, looking up resources, and then practicing on your own, you know, you don't really have the luxury of somebody looking out for you like that. So I can only um, show you the door, you know, Tarot. People, uh, it's your choice to walk <laughs> through it. Okay, so <laughs> that's one of the things too, right? What what was your so you're going through these changes? You're trying to find yourself, really. I think we all are trying to find ourselves in one one way, shape, or form, and that's why again, yeah, sure. I I bash on religion because I grew up in it and I saw the ins and outs. I played guitar. I was part of the of the musical group and all this stuff, and I went around the worship group and I saw the the corruption. But I do feel that. This is all about having a system, whether it's a magical system for you or for whoever listening, whether it's religion, it's a system that people can adhere to. So it's very important to have a sort of system, to have some structure and again, to build that mental fortitude against whatever it may be, any obstacle in life. If if you want to believe in some old right. man in, in the in the sky sitting on a throne watching you make sure that you don't masturbate and that helps you sleep at night, that's okay for you because, hey, that, <laughs> who am I to bash you know on, on you for that so what was your first you labeled it here apocalyptic experience can we talk about that yeah that was kind of what i already mentioned just earlier you know uh, i think um what's really cool about occultism though there are a couple things about reality which are just really cool uh, uh <laughs> to, to put it lightly um uh, in this case, it's the, the story or, or the experience of mystical death and rebirth. You know, it's like when everything falls apart and there is um, a chance for things to grow anew. And, um, well, this seems to be um, pretty important uh, in a lot of people's lives, especially um, successful people's lives or people who are very reflective that they go through something you know, which forces them to completely uh, rebuild their understanding of themselves and the world and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, this uh, I went through, um, you know, there was this climax of my <laughs> unfortunate early life experiences um, that I mentioned earlier. And it was like total, um, uh, after that, it was like a totally different um, uh, or like a rebirthing. Yeah. So... Um, old convictions, you know, things to, to hold you back, um, no longer being of any relevance or certain fears no longer being there. Um, and over time, I found out that, uh, yeah, this kind of process, it's described in the first three Masonic tracing boards. It's described in the major arcana of the tarot. Um, it's kind of implied in the tree of life journey. and in all sorts of different systems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the whole hero's journey story too. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you go out of the comfortable zone, you go into the, um, the scary world, something crazy happens, and um, here's the moment where you could either become depressed and, uh, you know, shake your fist at God, or here's the moment where you uh, could look for, you know, the lessons of which there are always plenty, and, um, you know, let this experience give you wings, um, and that's that's a template that just happens automatically if you're um, in the right mindset, and that's very very cool you know that many traditions are actually uh, focusing on communicating that this can happen uh, all you got to do is pretty much like empty your cup um, and take care of some other circumstances and it will be refilled automatically with better stuff um, yeah that's that's a very interesting thing yeah I had um, I that's, had that's the apocalyptic experience I had my ego death uh, from the use of psychedelics I I, I took mushrooms for the first time and i had my sort of how you're mentioning this breakdown of your own reality this realization that hey at least everyone's experience is different at least to me it was if you're on a path of self-destruction you need to change it up because i do believe when you ingest these substances they do take you to another dimension i do 100 percent feel that some people say that the mushrooms are aliens that we are a failed plant experiment the spores of mushrooms can exist in the vacuum of space so again that's a conspiracy i've heard before where we are a a failed plant experiment (laughs) because all the plants are breathing around us and as of recently you know i go fishing as much as i can and i went out fishing the other day and I was listening to a friend of mine talk on a podcast and he talked about how nature is psychedelic, how I've had a theologian ask, tell me before that these things that we use for divination or for, uh, to, uh, again, psychedelic drugs, that these are crutches that we're actually able to do that on our own. And well, this is listening right. to, to my friend on a podcast and he said that nature is psychedelic. And when I went fishing the other day, I turned everything off. Instead of listening to music or something while I'm fishing, I turned everything off. And I just looked out into nature, dude. I just looked out at the... It was silent, obviously. There's nobody out there. And But I just took in the nature. I appreciated it. And that in itself is a psychedelic thing. Like, today I had a deer walking around in my backyard. Totally. You know, looking at that deer is like, wow, that's nature. You know what I mean? But it's kind of sad because the deer's in my backyard because of the overdevelopment in the area. But, you know, like seeing the animal in its natural habitat sort of is is psychedelic in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just one moment. Uh, my dog's going a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just dude. a second. Yeah, sorry about that. Somebody walked by the window or something. Um, still getting used to the new place. No problem, dude. But uh, yeah, I think you um, you mentioned a couple of things there that are super um, relevant, right? There's many traditions, um, old and new, all over the world that use, um, I think the quote-unquote proper term is entheogens, you know, like uh, substances to uh, have a divine experience. Um and I think, yeah, one of the things that got me into mysticism too, or at least piqued my interest, was the idea that you can have all sorts of experiences like that without any substances too. You know, those things were, yeah, very interesting to to figure out and look at. Um, 
I think it's also interesting, though, to or, or good at least to recognize that there are probably all sorts of overlaps between, you know, different substances, experiences and whatnot. Um, but it's not necessarily all leading you to the same place. And, um, yeah, that probably has to do a lot with, you know, the kind of intention a person has um, when they're using this kind of stuff. Um, uh, and so on but yeah the, the whole natural philosophy as well uh, i think that's one of the coolest things um you know if you lean on um, a phrase like as above so below um you know the same pattern repeats uh, but on div different um, levels of reality or different planes or whatever you want to call that you know then um, looking at nature can be more than just a relaxation exercise or uh, you know the epiphany of, of connecting to the greater whole and, and those kind of things you can actually see what animals are doing or look at natural phenomena um, and and try to figure out you know the fact that they exist um, here and there and, and repeat themselves what does that mean for my experience is there something that i can do to align more to these kind of natural uh, patterns that are already existing and i think many mystical traditions um and uh, yeah what you could call occult traditions they try to figure out these patterns and um what they mean for you know all sorts of different things including um what you can do magic wise as well as in the mundane and uh, everyday life you know, so, um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to focus on nature. Um, and it makes a lot of sense why in so many traditions um, it's to be respected. Uh, you know, it's considered divine. Um, and it's considered to be, uh, therefore, you know, uh, virtuous in certain ways as well. Uh, we talked about that earlier, the whole system thing. You know, what what is it really a system of? It's kind of like a system of... Uh, whatever the content is, it's morals, ethics, and virtues uh, to an extent, you know, like what's desirable <laughs> and what's not. And uh, yeah, everybody can choose their own system, but it helps to have something like this and then, uh, you know, connect to the world around you. And, and there's a lesson to be learned everywhere in, in every experience, every situation, every phenomenon, um, and so on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and you have people who take systems and they exploit them right and hence that's what we're talking about earlier about the government using certain things to either manipulate nlp or whatever it is that they're using to to manipulate right they, you, they take their system which is cool right you have a system and then they take it above and beyond and they abuse of that system they they just do things that perhaps are unethical or, or whatever it is right but the point being that you find there seems to be a human trait generally. Yeah, <laughs> and, at least. And you find your own path too, right? I mean, you're gonna be on. That's what I love about the Tetractus and Pythagoras, where the Tetractus also symbolizes reality, and these points are never changing. You have the ten points that have that different representations, but between those points, similar to yeah. the Tree of Life, there there are voids, there are paths, but at the end of the day. The only thing that changes from the two points between you and I is the, is the middle, the, the the journey to get to that next point. But at the end of the day, that other point is still there. You know what I mean? That That's truth. That's whatever truth is to you, whatever gnosis is to you. And that's why I love all this stuff. Because, again, it's sort of like looking at clouds in a way because you can interpret it the way that you would want to interpret it. It's not what anybody tells you. And that's what I don't like about 
organized religion. And I saw it all the time to the preacher. Hey, this passage is meant to yep. be interpreted X, Y, Z, right? And there was a, yeah, like a fucking zombie. Yeah, it's meant to be. You're a fucking sheep. You know, like make your own destiny. Become, <laughs> you were talking about the, the will, right? The will to power. Nietzsche actually inspired Crowley where, with the will to power. And we know how the story ends. You become the Ubermensch, you know, and you become this overman, the Superman, and you uh, manifest your own reality, your own destiny at the end of the day. And that's what this is all about. God is dead. Isn't he wasn't celebrating. Read the entire quote is God is dead and we killed them. You know what I mean? And that leads to nihilism and what we mentioned <laughs> Earlier at the beginning of the podcast where you fall into these depressions, you start talking to yourself in a negative manner. You start to build all these yeah. obstacles start for yourself. reacting to the outside world in really ridiculous ways, you know, or, or having all these expectations that are, you know, unreasonable. Mm -hmm. and, and then when, when things come to pass, you get upset and so on. Yeah, for sure. And I've... Actually, um, learning to see the glass half full instead of half empty and, and doing mm -hmm. what you can with the potential. And I've taken the man, cause Manly P hall talks about how the power, right? The power of manifestation. He talks about how, if a man is talking himself down, if he is in a state of mind that is not the best constructively constructively for himself he will manifest an elemental and that elemental wreaks havoc on that man right and and you can manifest an elemental upon somebody else right because spelling words is i believe i believe in the law of attraction i do believe that when we speak things into existence they become true depending on how much mental power is behind that that idea or that thought or that that comment that's why it's very important to be careful with what you wish for right they've always told be careful what you wish for because you never know what can come true and that's these are aspects of human nature that we still haven't that we still don't truly understand and i think this is the realm of quantum mechanics where things are you know the truth is stranger than fiction it's like wait this can react the same way as something <laughs> across the universe what are you talking about bro you mean there's other parallel realities and then we get this whole as above so below well what does that mean well here's a fancy way of saying quantum entanglement or here's the observer effect oh well, what do you mean by that well you directly observing something changes the outcome holy shit how is that possible well we don't know and that's you get a Nobel Peace Prize if you figure that out. So there are aspects of reality that we don't comprehend, that we don't know anything about. And that's why it's important, again, to have a health. The, mag the, the magic that I practice that I tell people is a healthy, a healthy mindset. Tried, trying to maintain a healthy mindset is my biggest struggle. And obviously, right. running a business, you are... At the, you are the captain of your own ship, right? You are the manifester of your own destiny. And when things don't go right for you, it's nobody else's fault but your own. You know, it, it, you're at the helm of that ship. If, if you're not steering it correctly, you can't turn around and blame somebody else. No, no, you have to take responsibility. And that's why sometimes I fall into bouts of depression here and there because of my, because of my work, because of my job, you know, because of the, the nature of the business that I'm in. And trying to maintain right. a healthy mindset through uh, shout out to Anderson Silver, close friend of the show, 
where he talks about stoicism for a better life, where he talks about, I love that stoic mindset because the logos, right? Don't try to, to grab the logos by the horns, if you will, right? Let it do its thing. It is going to be a wild animal and you just accept it for what it is and what it's going to do at the end of the day, because you have zero control over it. And that, I think that's, it's the art of not giving a fuck pretty much, right? Uh, being, being able to, <laughs> to take things for what they are and how they're coming toward you and being able to accept. And again, not, not saying don't do anything and just let things happen, obviously have some sort of control because in order for you to achieve something, you do need to align yourself, right? Manifestation requires work. Yeah, there's like uh, definitely uh, kind of a pretext to that stuff, but uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, um, cutting things short you know at the end or at the bottom of the barrel of most of these traditions this is kind of uh, you know the last thing to attain to uh, but again to get to that state you know uh, the average human being is going to have to do a whole bunch of unloading of uh, all sorts of stuff you know before they can really uh, live in this this mode of you know for example Taoists call it um, effortless living i think um, but yeah, just the idea that you're living in the moment and basically everything is one big synchronicity. Uh, you always know how to react, how to respond, um, uh, some kind of an equanimous mindset and so on. Um, yeah, it's the, uh, definitely the ultimate goal. Um, but yeah, to again, track back a little bit, um, you know, while a person has so much influence um, and power um, residing in their mind alone you know I still think that this um, this idea of uh, for example microcosm macrocosm you know you've got the individual and you've got the external reality and um, arguably the individual can never fully comprehend or perceive um, you know the external but he's still in touch with it you know his experience is still dictated by it to an extent um even if the perception and you know the mind of the individual is so uh influential and so much of a key part of how life is actually experienced and so on so i, I definitely for myself feel like i should find some kind of a, a perfect position on the bridge between you know my own perception and, and managing that as well as uh, getting in touch with the outside world and uh, you know the patterns as they are and the dictates of reality as they dictate my life you know kind of find a middle ground between those that um, that helps again <laughs> to make most sense of things uh, so yeah i definitely feel there's much power in in the the individual and in the mind and the emotions and all that stuff um, but we're still part of a bigger whole uh, that is uh, actually a mystery to us and uh, we're trying to unravel it i would say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, can can we get into the the mystery school so what made you sure. want to start obviously you have your whole journey but what made you finally pull the trigger? Did you have any second thoughts about it? Is it a cult, Tarot? Is it, is it sort of because some people would <laughs> consider it a cult? Can you tell us what you know? What made you pull the trigger? Yeah, finally? maybe let's get at that out of the way first, right? Um, people do think it's a cult, um, and again, um, I feel like what makes a cult is some kind of central authority, um, you know, and like um, a body of teachings that is um, forced upon everybody and may not be questioned. Um, 
you know, that's not the intention of VR Mystery School at all. Uh, and also, personally, I don't feel like I'm much of a teacher or uh, I don't want to be at all, you know, some kind of a guru uh, of which there's plenty online these days or I present myself as some, as some kind of a super achieved uh, magician, whatever. I'm just uh, really using, you know, skills that I happen to have um, in terms of like technological stuff, uh, game, uh, web development and all these kind of other things to um, yeah, make a place where where all these, the, the benevolent side of, of all of this, you know, is more accessible to people. So for example, the library of uh, VR Mystery was actually the first feature. It was just um, the idea of well, what if there's a place in VR where you can go and if you want to know about some kind of mystical topic, you know, you don't have to do the Googling yourself because when I started getting into this stuff, you know, you Google something like tarot and the the 10% of the results that you want to see, they're going to be on Google page 40 and, you know, everything before that's going to be like... Um, uh, tarot moms or like people offering um, consults <laughs> for like 500 bucks a pop or uh, hearsay articles on YouTube and, and, and uh, like um, BuzzFeed and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that was really the idea to, to make it accessible for people. Um, and actually it kind of caught on. Uh, so the next thing was to host video screenings for, for people. You know, I have been around this stuff for quite a while and do a couple of good YouTubes. And uh, there were a couple of folks around who um, really enjoyed showing up on Sundays to uh, yeah watch this stuff together and then have a discussion afterwards. And that's kind of how the idea uh, began to develop to start hosting events for this in VR, um, more than just the screenings too, you know like gatherings and stuff and uh, most of the time especially put emphasis on the discussion part of it right so instead of again top-down learning it's more like a peer-to-peer -peer experience um, and these days I like to say you know it's not really a school as in a, um, an actual school it's more like a school of fish um, so there's people of similar um, <laughs> interest coming together you know even though they're very different have very different interests are into different traditions um, at different levels of seriousness, you know, for some it's their daily practice, for other it's just uh, something they like to think about for inspiration for their art, you know, and anything in between. And uh, yeah, these people, they can come together to um, talk about stuff. Um, and yeah, not long after that, I realized, well, you can create interactive uh, learnables as well. So it's a thing. You go into VR, you interact with it, and you learn things about these philosophies um, without meeting uh, like a, another person to intervene or a teacher or whatever. So we've got VR tarot decks with information. We've got um, uh, all sorts of diagrams with I'm, which I'm also hand making these days, um, and yeah, a whole bunch of other stuff. I Ching set. Um, yeah, and as that went on, we also got some more high-effort uh, events, like uh, live talks in the auditorium uh, with slideshows, and we also have weekly meditation lessons. So, um, yeah, again, coming back to the initial question, what what's really going on there? It's just a, kind of like an open space driven by um, me and, um, of course, the many volunteers who are uh, doing most of the, the work hosting. I'm mostly on the development side of things. And... Um, yeah, it's just an open space for anybody to, to join and take away what they want, like kind of a, a buffet, you know. You don't have to take from any of the dishes, but feel free to, to take from all of them. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, the, the key element is that the the people who show up that they're chill enough to not you know be combative about anything. Um, if that's the attitude, you know, I'm here with friends to pick whatever um, I like along with me and share whatever I want to, and that's it. You know, no pressure or or weird moods or one-upmanship uh, to one another. You know, that makes for a really good atmosphere and and what makes it really work. That's what I liked about it. It's like a no pressure zone. If you want to present, you present. If you don't, you don't. And I've been, the ones I've been to has been just sharing, you know, what you what you have going on with your week and what your are the spirit is a spiritual journey. And I think I shared that uh, yeah. on the first one. I was going to do a journal, and then I started the journal, and I'm still working on the journal because again, I this week I said. I'm going to start working out again. I'm going to start doing something because I've been feeling like a piece of shit lately. So uh, you have to take, again, you have to put, put it in, in, in work. You have, you can't just say it and not do anything because you're not going to be able to manifest anything at the end of it. How long have you been running the, the mystery school for? How long has it been up for? Um, well, incidentally, it's been uh, published in the VR chat world list since this winter solstice of 2019. Um, you know how how that works is some days um, it takes for your publication to become actually live, and uh, yeah, it's an interesting symbolic thing. You know, the moment in the year uh, where everything goes from becoming more dark to becoming light. <laughs> Uh, that's the date, yeah, the ni- uh, 2019. So, um, yeah, we're getting close to three years now. And it's um, steady and slow, but it's also, um, yeah, becoming much more than I would ever expected it to be. Um, uh, so many people are interested in, in different capacities, and, uh, yeah, it's just working out really well. The conversations are very solid, and, um, yeah, there's even people who have said, you know, I, I um, canceled my uh, Masonic Lodge subscription uh, or membership because uh, I never learned anything as much there in like five years as I did here in like half a month or something. So, uh, yeah, I think we're doing some things right. <laughs> and that's really cool. <laughs> What's the... Because VR space can be a little toxic, right? We know this. I One of my favorite activities is just getting super hi and going into these chat rooms and just listening to people because <laughs> uh, there's a lot of interesting individuals right. what's the more and do you have any experiences that weird or i don't know the the, the more notable experiences oh, yeah. yeah i've seen the absolute uh, the darkest dark sides of um of vr chat you know the deepest pits of hell um but likewise, yeah, there's also some very positive, cool uh, things that really jump out. I mean, it's a great medium for art. Um, but yeah, it's also just another way to experience the internet, right? So all of the filth that goes on the internet in general also goes in VR chat. Um, and then there's also the thing that early adopters of this technology and this application, um, you know, basically the the huge mass, I'd say 95%, they are um yeah very young and um they love chaos uh, and i mean blame them for it <laughs> you know i know how i was when i was that age uh, if you would have offered this to me back then i would have gone crazy with it um but yeah that really only goes for like the the public lobbies and all that stuff and uh, there's so many great projects that are being made um that are 
uh, yeah, offer a very different experience. And that goes from, uh, you know, VR sign language school, where people learn all sorts of different um, sign languages to communicate with each other. Uh, you know, deaf people, hard of hearing people. Uh, again, there's so much art. There's conventions with uh, about music, you know, uh, other thing. And then there's um, the VR church. There's stuff like VR mystery school. Um, there's also uh, a friend of mine, Creek, who hosts a Buddhist um, school where he teaches meditation and um, yeah, Buddhist philosophy and ethics. So, yeah, it's really um, what are people doing with it that, that makes it uh, or breaks it, I would say. But, um, yeah, again, I feel like the capacity to do evil is <laughs> a human trait. So, uh, likewise, uh, they do it with VR, as is the capacity to do great and good. You know, that's also an inherent human trait. And you see both on this platform, that's for sure. When you left the other day, I forgot what day it was, there was, I guess, a a kid who came in and he was asking, I forgot who he was asking, one of the regulars. He's like, hey, I'm 17, but it says I have to be 18 to join the Discord. Can I still join? <laughs> I was like, the, the right. guy he was talking to, he's like, hey, you don't have to ask your parents. I'm not a... I don't know. And I'm like, I was just sitting there. I, I left shortly after that, but it was right before I was leaving. I overheard because again, I find it super funny. Some of these, I've had some weird interactions on the internet, how you're saying there is the dark side of things. And especially when you add that factor of anonymity where you can't, I can't look at you face to face. I can't, you're a screen name somewhere right and you are you can be 100 percent troll look at reddit reddit is that i believe reddit is the scum of the end like the they're the bottom feeders of the, <laughs> i've met and i've seen again maybe a lot of them might be bots i don't know i do believe that a portion of the internet is just fake people just how Personal opinion, I believe some people in life are NPCs, bro. They're just here to fill the void. They're here to add texture. Because with the advancement of technology, I don't know if you are on TikTok at all, but TikTok, one of them. If you... no, I try to avoid it as much as possible. <laughs> Sometimes people send me, you know, the, the outwashes of the craziness from there. Um, but other than that, <laughs> not really. But yeah, I, I guess... One of the things I learned, you know, I was also, um, in, again, this uh, when I was in, in my early uh, life, in, in the dark place, so to speak, uh, always feeling like I knew better than everybody else, right? Or, uh, you know, the way I see things, it validates my experience and invalidates that of others. And I think one of the important takeaways from, um, yeah, again, many of the mystical traditions, they teach you uh, among the virtues to be altruistic, you know, or at least to um, be emphatic. So other people might not work the same way you do, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad. And this seems like an obvious thing to say, but, you know, it's also one of the most difficult things for people to really internalize and uh, enact in, in day-to-day business, you know, even in, when speaking about others. Um and it really helps. It would really help for for the state of the world today um, if if more people on any side of, of you know political spectrum or or the spectrum of any issue 
would be able to reason more as their opponents you know it would make it easier to find some kind of middle ground uh, because to to find it you're going to have to really understand um you know what's driving the person and, uh, with the opposite opinion you're never going to find a uh, middle ground if you dismiss others uh, as unconscious unenlightened um uh, not woke enough or not based enough or or whatever you know at the end of the day we're we're still kind of here together and um <laughs> hopefully we're going to figure things out together or um yeah it's going to get much worse before it gets any better we're not i think that's an important takeaway too we're not much different in age i'm actually 28 so we're we're pretty close as far as age groups and that's a dangerous mindset to right. have right that's uh of not being able to to really change or adapt a new system of thinking. And I think that really leads people into, because you can be egotistical, right? Me personally, I can be very egotistical and petty too. But it's something that I've been working on as you get older, right? You, as you get older, you don't want to deal with more bullshit. You just want to simplify things. And that's why I get back to the stoicism. That's why I love it because it is some, it's a system yeah. that you can use to, but also at the same time, the stoics, it was about waking their brethren up. It was about bringing awareness sure. to others, yeah. you know, pulling them out of the matrix, metaphorically speaking, because some people are asleep, Tarot. Some people enjoy being asleep, right? When it comes to, just the mundane things in life, how you, how we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. We know that the lizard people are corrupt. We know that they, that they do bad things <laughs> and all this stuff. The lizard people. Those aren't my words. <laughs> uh, well, I, yeah, I I've it. been called out a bunch of times on, are they actually lizard people or not? Now, I believe that there is perhaps some sort of, reptilian race somewhere now if the ones in power are actual shape-shifting lizards i don't know but i also use it in a, a metaphorical sense of the word where it's right. like the archontic forces the archons they are the negative forces at work battling against you in your journey so it can be i like the lizard form of that right so oh I'm getting a bad thunderstorm here but i like I the lizard it form. As a figure of speech yes but dude some people they'll be like oh you talk about the lizards man what's up with the lizard people I'll go hey dude <laughs> let's not forget that have you ever heard of project gateway at all i'm not sure so Project Gateway was a... It's been a while since I've been shopping around the projects and, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the operations and the, and the declassified documents and those kind of things. So so the, <laughs> the, the Gateway experience was a program ran by the CIA and Robert Monroe was ahead of that. And it's about hem hemispheric right. synchronization, about syncing, like by using binaural beats and syncing both sides of the brain up. Now, they were doing these experiments and they were astral projecting these people i guess these test subjects and these people when they would go into this astral realm they were coming in contact with reptilian like beings that were harvesting the energy of people so this is ran by the cia okay 
this is these are the lizard people right these are the people <laughs> behind in the shadows and that's why i mentioned earlier that we talk about magic and all these uh, secret societies we know that everyone in power is part of either nothing against freemasons nothing against rosicrucians and nothing against people in secret societies but we can't ignore the fact that there are secret societies that there are people in a yeah, culture. Of course, you know but, what I mean? Um, yeah, I guess that um, you you ask as well at the start. You know, what what does magic look like? It's not the Hollywood stuff, right? And um, maybe I'm a little bit sad to say that's the truth of it, right? Um, I've never in the past decade um, uh, followed a trail of you know a report of these kind of things and found out at the end of the trail that there was much substance to it. Um, many cases there is for example mystical text being reinterpreted or being cherry-picked or uh, taken literally you know just like um, happened with the bible and look at what where that brought us <laughs> over the course of history and so on so most of the the occult secrets that are to be revealed are um yeah in my opinion new ways to see things and maybe um uh, change your own experience but no shooting fireballs, no uh, hidden races um, that are secretly alluded to in texts like <laughs> reptiles living in the earth, um, you know, um, all these kind of things, no secret proofs for flat earth or, or whatever, uh, or early visiting uh, aliens, uh, you know, all these things, they get kind of convoluted. That's why um, yeah, just the other day I recommended to somebody, if you want to really study a subject like this, just pick the subject first of all look up the source text um look up media that explains the source text then read the source text then um try to find practitioners or uh, other people who have opinions about it but that way you can um, you know see things from a bird's eye view and uh, pull things apart and see where people start introducing their own ideas into the um into the narrative right for example, with hermeticism, this is such a, a big thing um, because arguably, you know, a lot of the um, things that are considered to have hermetic influence from the Renaissance and so on, you know, eh, it's just a label um, and, and in many cases not much more. Although there's, you know, ideas that persist through different traditions and get picked up and so on. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm more into the, the intangible uh, mysteries, you know, um, and they become very tangible in the sense that, you know, it's something you can, again, uh, get passed down to you f by word of mouth or from from uh, sources, or you can experience it yourself um, because it's just a part of life. And, uh, you know, those will, that will bring about changes, even changes in the external world, but, um, you yeah, know, not so much always poltergeist uh, phenomenon or uh, you know electronic electronics burning through or um, you know most of mystical experience too is like uh, flashes of the mind or ecstatic experiences that are um, accompanied by uh, you know thoughts that seem to come from another place um, that have revelational or revelatory quality you know again the gnosis kind of insights or um even if you commune with um, an entity, you know, uh, whether it's an angel or an aspect of God or an elemental force or maybe even something demonic, you know, uh, these are also mostly um, or yeah, almost always non-physical experiences. And um, 
what makes the experience as the practitioner and how much they are immersed in it. Um, this is how I've come to understand uh, the most valuable uh, parts of mysticism and occultism and all that stuff. And um, yeah, even when it comes to uh, like folk stories about uh, mythical creatures, you know, uh, mermaids, uh, gnomes, fays, and so these these can all also be understood in. Um, non-physical or spiritual understanding or maybe even if you dare make the equations uh, psychological right uh, it's it's up to who you ask i suppose what's your take on crowley talking about how the goetia is an aspect of people's minds that is something that we because you're talking about talking to otherworldly entities and it just brings me back again to john d <laughs> and edward kelly where yeah. they were talking to angels right that's the whole thing but yeah were they really yeah, or was again, it so much of mysticism is uh, divining with uh entities you know mm -hmm. they do this in the eastern traditions or um you know communing with the gods or the angels or yeah, the spirits, masters um, mm -hmm. or giving them offerings uh yes ascended masters that's more like a theosophy thing mm -hmm. um and that can also get kind of a little weird, you know, because most traditions, they have like balance and checks and ways to supposedly um, verify the quality of your experience, you know, the uh, protections to make sure you're not getting something pretending to be, you know, an, an angel, but that you get the actual angel, for example. Um, but yeah, who's to say that this isn't psychological? Well, I have my own opinion, which I'm not sure is super interesting but um what is interesting is that yeah there are animistic views on this you know the fact that there are in fact spirits in everything um like intelligences maybe is it better to call them that can be uh, communed with um, but um, other people interpret this in a more psychological way that they are maybe locked away aspects of the self or the psyche or uh, maybe other people, they consider them to be um, like something that is stored in the collecting collective human consciousness, for example, like um, and you're reaching into that and, and getting a download. And there's so many different uh, takes on it. I guess they're all different models for, um, you know, or different languages to explain similar experiences. Um, and then what matters to me most is, yeah, just the experience itself. And I've learned to just stick with the system I'm with now because it includes, you know, a framework to make sense of these kind of things. Um, but again, these, these experiences are not exclusive to that system. It's really a universal human thing as this, um, you know, scrying in reflective surfaces. That's like one of the most ancient practices um, going all the way back to when we were <laughs> probably running around naked or almost naked still, you know, sitting <laughs> by, the, by the water side and looking at the starry sky reflected in the wavy pond and so on. That is enough. You do that for a little while and mystical visions will start flowing and, and so on. You know, it's really so close to um, uh, what it means to be human. Um, that might also be why it's arguably um, a little bit healthy, you know, to spend some time on developing this part of yourself. Um, whether it is, you know, meditation for increasing concentration or you know, doing the kind of stuff to uh, unload and get rid of trauma and automatic behaviors, you know, there's there's all these different kind of things that um, uh, even deep relaxation, you know, 
um, can be so important just to make more sense of life, be a more balanced and integrated human being, you know, embody all of the different elements uh, in a balanced way and so on. Yeah, that seems to me for be for me um, mostly the the takeaway for for all this stuff. What what are your takes on ceremonial magic? What do you feel? I like Austin Osman Spar's version of magic, where it's all you just it, how I mentioned earlier. The theologian told me where you're able to do these things on your own. He kind of sort of takes it the same way. Yeah. Uh, where you don't need anything it's just you and your mental capacities and there the, he does a few certain things but it's not full-on golden dawn or freemasonic or uh the oto where it's these long rituals and ceremonies what are your takes on that yeah i think it's again a question of what um what is the nature of the person or, or, you know, what is the situation they're in? Whatever works for you in this, in the, a certain moment works, uh, but it's definitely not for everybody, you know? Um, for me, it's been quite valuable. Um, yeah, because it seems to trigger uh, um, things like um, uh, desire to do it. Most of all, you know, I'm uh, for some reason just drawn to it. But doing it also has, um, yeah, what seems to be like positive results, uh, and it can serve like a reminder of of your intention anyway. You know, if if it's not having some kind of a metaphysical or psychological effect, at least you're remem- reminding yourself um, of all these, yeah, uh, kind of ideal things. You know, like the the perfect models, and you're not ever gonna be perfect like them. Uh, even as a Stoic, you're never gonna be Marcus Aurelius. You know. But it doesn't matter. Uh, just trying to, um, first of all, recognize that there is something better or uh, of a higher order or more meaningful to strive for, you know, and that um, you remind yourself every time of doing this, that, that can be very uh, useful. Um, but yeah, it's so involved. Um, not everybody wants to do that, and that's fine. Uh, at the same time, uh, you take, for example, the um, uh, Greek magical papyri. It's a famous collection of uh, like Greco-Egyptian um, magic from uh, yeah around uh, the year zero. Um, it's all sorts of different things. Uh, you know, there's ceremonial magic in there, um, hodgepodge stuff. And people who try it out for the first time, you know, just going off um, printed paper for the instructions doing the ritual, you know, they report um, success just as well as people who do these things over time and specialize in them and so on. So again, you know, I'm not necessarily the kind of person who would go out of their way and speculate what's really all the mechanisms here at work that create these kind of results and why does it work for this person and why does it work for that person? But um, yeah, it, it just seemed to to have um, certain effects. For example, the headless rite um, is like um, spiritual power wash. If anybody's feeling a little daring who's listening and they want to try out ceremonial magic, uh, look up um, any version of this except Crowley's version. <laughs> so it's called the Stella of Yo, uh, for example. Um, can maybe link that in the description. But it's um, very arcane 
old um, spicy magic um, meant for exorcism and getting rid of bad juju in general. <laughs> um, highly recommend it, you know. Um, the Stella of Yur. stuff. Na- the Yur Namu, is uh, that the one? <laughs> Uh, it, um, it's a little difficult to uh, to pronounce. It's a Greek word, but it's I uh, E A U, I think. Uh, but let me get the the spelling for you later on, and I'll, I'll get it 100 percent correct. What's up with Crowley's version? Is that the one that's super super bad, or what? I <laughs> uh, ruined it. Just long story short, he ruined it. He made it too edgy, and um, yeah, Crowley was. Um, he had some some positive influence on on modern occultism, but um, you know, in the more respectable circles that or circles that I find respectable, he's he's understood to be like a troublemaker and a bit of an edge lord. Um, and I kind of feel the same way, you know, everything um, with it, like degeneracy. Right, we fucking hate Curly on this podcast. That kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the thing, right? And I've studied Crowley and his work, and it's just so disgusting the stuff that he was doing but we can't take away from the fact that he did contribute to the movement and brought things to the light that are still in use today and he did a lot of translations and all these things but i find it funny because of well, all some of it right yeah some of it so yes yeah, stole a whole bunch of stuff from the golden dawn like uh, most of philema is just copy pasted mm-hmm. from golden dawn and then replacing stuff with more edgy stuff and i'm totally for advancing and evolving you know that's part of the magical art so to speak to um have it evolve with the people uh, and the interesting part about hermetic Kabbalah too is that it's you know um it's evolving and it's discovering itself. <laughs> People are, are still figuring things out about it, uh, finding new connections and patterns um, a couple hundred years on. So, um, um, yeah, it's totally fine, but, but he took it in a wrong way. Uh, I think one of the more interesting ways that uh, it's been taken into since the original Golden Dawn would be a Paul Foster case. If any of the listeners want to check out real awesome, um, you know, enlightening mystical philosophy that's firmly like Western esoteric, uh, look up Paul Foster Case's books. Um, it's really, really good stuff. There was an author that compiled all the good things that Crowley did for the, like his more notable works. And I found it really interesting that out of the hundred, hundreds and hundreds of pages that he wrote and all these poems and all these obscure things that he wrote, (laughs) that author was only able to compile. The book was 88 pages in length in total. And I go, that is just showing you right there out of all, out of all the things he wrote, out of (laughs) the hundreds of the thousands of words that he wrote. You were able to compile in a book his more notable more notable works, because obviously he's known as a charlatan and all this stuff. You were only able to get 88 pages, bro. Damn. That really shows you a lot of the type of things that he, <laughs> that he actually did contribute. But absolutely, he did plagiarize a lot of things. And he thought he was the reincarnation of, of Edward Kelly and the reincarnation, I think, of Eliphas Levi. Right. All these crazy <laughs> fucking things. But... Uh, Again, he contributes some good things and some other not good things. And every time, dude, because I've I told my friends before, hey, I want to get behind 
Crowley's work, but every time I look into him, like this, this is this is shit. This is, and there's some people who will defend him yeah. till like the very end, like oh he's the great. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? And I'm not even an occultist, and I find it disgusting. Well, uh, you know, when it comes to occultism too, there's definitely this issue where pretty much every book or author needs the, um, like uh, at least like two pages worth of caveats and warnings um, <laughs> uh, to the reader before they go into it, you know? And it's kind of stuff that's never included with the actual prints themselves. So... Um, uh, it's like the un unspoken, uh, or but yeah, in many cases also the spoken um, uh, caveats, and um, yeah, many of Crowley has many of them, of course. Um, but yeah, it should also be realistic. Uh, there were certain things that were unpublished, which he first published, and later they were um, their originals were published. Or uh, well, one thing he made, which was pretty cool, is the the Thoth Tarot deck. Uh, definitely um, a positive contribution. But um, yeah, it's like out uh, of all the tarots, what has, what's new, what has to be said about him, uh, you know, has has already been said yeah. uh, many times. So I'm I'm not gonna waste more time on that. <laughs> out of all the tarots, I think unfortunately that the Crowley art is the best. Like I think I think that I'm gonna go out and say that. But I also like <laughs> the Nat Paul tarot. Uh, have you ever have you ever seen that deck? Which one? The Nap Hall. So Manly P Hall and uh, Augustus Snap. Oh no, I don't think I've seen that one. Maybe uh, if you show me a picture, I might recognize it, but I, I don't think I have. Um, it's from nineteen twenty nine. Couple good decks. And the the cool thing about Crowley's deck is that it just um, has uh, the definitions very sharply defined, mm. quite the esoteric stuff too. So um, yeah, that's that's another easy way in for people into that kind of stuff. And then before long, you can ditch, you know, anything to do with Crowley and just uh, be on your way too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there there as of lately, there's been a revival, right, uh, of um, the magic and the esoteric. And with people being at home working remotely, I, I guess they had more time with, with the whole quarantine and all that stuff. I think that they had more time to start looking yeah. into things. And the lizards obviously yeah, I mean, don't honestly, want to do I'm, that. I'm part of the revival, or or of like the the new new <laughs> wave, or what you want to call that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I got a little bit lucky that I I wasn't like raised in in the mainstream um, current or something because. Well, things get a little complicated there. Um, and likewise, you see, uh, well, you know, with TikTok, Twitter, and all sorts of weird stuff, it's taking all kinds of forms, which are very, um, well, undesirable um, at best, you know, and shocking at worst, um, to the point where people are policing each other, you know, mm -hmm. saying you're not allowed to use this, this thing to... Um, you know, make more sense of your life and your experience and you're not allowed to do that thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's just all sorts of crazy. So, um, yeah, the, the main channels online are definitely not always a good measure of, um, you know, what's really going on and what's really worth, um, uh, listening to. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've been called a pseudo intellect before on TikTok. I think that's probably the best insult I've ever gotten a pseudo intellect. But there, there are, 
these community and the fandom of certain certain communities, but absolutely it can get very toxic how you're saying and there is like the other day i showed you a screenshot some guy said that i don't know the meaning of as above so below i don't give a fuck if i know the meaning or not it's like looking at clouds that's the way i interpret it and i think i think the term has been thrown around a little bit uh, carelessly but in the context of that video that i had sent you was they the the fact that they want to emulate the the cosmic right the the as the the above the macro and they want to encapsulate it into a micro. That's the whole. That's their whole thing, right? They want to capsu- encapsulate the bigger, grander scale to understand it in the miniature version, so they can learn how to manipulate it, and then on, then do it on the grander scale. The world's a stage, as William Shakespeare said. But that's the way I I was talking about it, and the guy told me you don't know what that means. Sure. And then, did you see the follow-up well, comments? Again, it's such a... <laughs> again, there's so many ways to interpret like a little mystical phrase like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, because we're we're kind of... You know, that's one thing you can definitely say. You know, things are self-similar at certain different scales and levels of reality and so on. So, uh, yeah, these, these kind of things you observe, they're also going to apply to different things, you know. Um, but... Yeah, I will say I've definitely seen many of these examples, um, older ones and newer ones, where, uh, for example, constellations are built um, in temples um, or, or like temple configurations, following constellations, um, or yeah, there are interesting things going on with the buildings. But yeah, for me, it's mostly speculation uh, to, to to give my opinion on that. I it would not be. Um, founded on anything substantial <laughs> um you know whether it's uh, a ritual uh, kind of thing or speculation uh to to, to give my opinion on that i would um you know whether it's uh, a ritual and has some kind of a metaphysical magical effect you know if there is i haven't found something to conclusively help me understand what's actually going on um but then again you know i'm, I'm not some kind of a master brain on this stuff i'm just uh, like i said a dude with an experience um and i'm mostly focusing uh, on, on like a pragmatic understanding of of applying spirituality from from different perspectives uh, it's super interesting though i've always been into uh, graham hancock and um you know his um, merry group of of thinkers and publishers um, or, or writers. I mean, um, super interesting. And there's so many huge mysteries regarding you know uh, human origin and why are these buildings buried in this place uh, at that time? You know, or uh, even uh, certain art motifs showing up in completely different places of the world. Um, you know, super wondrous stuff, but I feel like this is uh, beyond me. I'm not sure if I'll ever have time <laughs> to figure out these particular mysteries because I'm, at least for the coming while, really uh, concerned with, um, well, if you think about the, the chariot tarot card, right? Uh, you've got these horses pulling different ways and you're trying to get them under some kind of a, an elegant um gentle control where the horses are taking you where you want um so that's my focus for now um but there's yeah it's mind-boggling it's mind-boggling all of the the weird bits and pieces you find um 
and also that some of these ancient structures are are more recent you know like um the the ones in asia i think on Vat and so on uh, are more recent uh, relatively speaking than for example um yeah, things in south america or or uh, in egypt you know but they're all doing this similar thing they're uh, drawing down the constellations onto the planet itself yeah very very cool exactly and and i want your take on this because obviously you're the tarot reader frog what's isn't it weird that the that the chariot usually either never has wheels or it the wheels are completely opposite of the direction that they're going what are your thoughts on that it's like a stationary chariot what's going on with that um well it's a throne right it's uh, mostly biblical symbolism and um goes back to the hebrew words used in um the mystical text that this refers to um that's as simple as an answer as i could give um but yeah in, in the uh, hermetic kabbalistic tradition uh, you know it's one of the major arcana cards um and there's certain yeah certain ideas associated with it but it's not necessarily meant to be like <laughs> some kind of alien technology if that's what you're getting at um, <laughs> no no i wasn't getting at that I have, a, I have a friend of mine i don't know if you you should probably check out his channel he symbolic studies oh what channel is that shout out to mario garza he does uh, does short oh, cool i'll check that out short digestible clips of symbolic again symbolic studies of the tarot and of the 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 zodiac and all these things what was i saying so mario garza symbolic studies he does breakdowns of various symbols and he breaks down tarot cards and all these things and one of the things that he brought up one time was how the chariot is sometimes stationary and I'm looking at the at my tarot deck right now, the Nap Hall one, and the cherry actually has the wheels in the correct orientation, of course, because I think Hall was more of a of a matter of fact kind of guy when it came to certain things. So I think he would have wanted them. He would have wanted the chariot to be mobile, right? If it is a chariot, uh, what is your what what about tarot do you like i mean obviously it's a divination uh divination tool yeah but how do you feel it's got it, a long history right yeah it's really interesting right it goes all the way uh, to the the renaissance and beyond uh it's definitely interesting but um yeah i was actually gonna say that um uh, I definitely settled on the Golden Dawn Tarot interpretation, which again is not uh, you know uh, the truly traditional one or anything. Um, there's the Tarotchi deck and, and even predecessors to that, and, and in uh, medieval Europe and, and beyond, you know, so many different decks were made. Um, I guess kind of like right now, right, um, with different symbols in them, with different amounts of cards for the different suits, um, different suits altogether. Uh, maybe uh, other suits missing, whatever. Um, and it wasn't really until the Golden Dawn that uh, there became some kind of a modern um, standardization of this system of um, cards and symbols with, um, yeah, the Western esoteric philosophy at large, right? So earlier we talked about how the Golden Dawn, they, they looked at pretty much everything in the in the Western uh, history that, that had any relation to mysticism, whether it was... Uh, Christianity, Kabbalah, um, the influences of the Greeks, 
and the Platonists and, um, you know, Egyptians, all that kind of stuff. And they brought it all together in a magical system uh, or a system of philosophy and practice, I guess you could say. And um, the fact that they made this whole tarot interface, I guess you could call it an interface, you know, it's like um, different um, little collections of symbols that um, imply a whole lot about um, you know, certain parts of the system. So there is ways you can interpret tarot um, as like a metaphysical um, idea about uh, you know creation, or um, you know that's again maybe a macrocosmic interpretation, or how they relate to the individual, or maybe one of the different um, layers of the individual, you know, like psychological, emotional. Uh, physical or um, you know spiritual um, there is all these different systems in there from number symbolism to planetary symbolism zodiac uh, elements um, Hebrew uh, letters which are also relevant to um, western esotericism and a whole bunch more and it's all crammed in there together so when you start learning about tarot um, as it was made by the Golden Dawn and the, you know the later offshoots of that, so uh, any deck with 78 cards um, with a major arcana suit and the four suits, you know, they, they all function as a way for you to start uh, making your own this this whole philosophy and and all the finer uh, details with that. And at some point, you know, it will be useful to look beyond just the deck and the definitions of it, but um, yeah, it's absolutely wonderful way to to get started. You know, it's uh, like I said, literally an interface, a way for you to start navigating um, a completely insanely large body of of ideas, uh, concepts, uh, things to do, things to know, uh, associations, um, modes of existence, and, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy to to um, understand that tarot can represent all that, and um, even in, in practical workings, uh, the images are supposed to be like astral visions of their own. So uh, the cards were used to um, yeah zone in to to yeah visionary or mystical experiences uh, within the theme of the archetype that uh, one of these cards represents. Right. So you've got. Um, yeah, again, so many different symbols, so many possible experiences to have. It's almost like a color palette of, um, yeah, the mundane and and um, the divine and everything in between. Yeah, and um, it, it's 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 the journey, right, that the soul, I guess, takes before reaching enlightenment or whatever that may mean to you and yeah in, in a way it is right you've got uh, if it represents the kabbalistic system mm -hmm. um which it does specifically through its correspondence with the tree of life you know every sphere every mm -hmm. path on the tree of life corresponds to um a tarot card and then you have the idea embedded in the tree of life that it's the path from um you know the unmanifest <clears throat> to the manifest but it's also the way back up you know um from where we are, uh, the, the path of ascension uh, back into uh, unity with the divine and so on. So it goes both ways. Um, so yes, totally right what you were saying. You know, it's the, the journey of the soul through, um, yeah, the 
challenges of life <laughs> but then again you know, it's like the mystical interpretation of it the mm. challenges aren't just things holding you back there each of them are uh if they're approached with the right mindset they're uh, teachers you know no matter how difficult the challenge is and this is also something where i feel some conspiracy folks go a little wrong um you know uh, the presence of stuff like a death card or uh, the devil card or other such things, you know, um, or the fact that there's learning from suffering at all. This is taken to be something uh, evil or negative. And there's definitely, you know, groups and individuals who have very radical interpretations of this kind of idea. Um, but those are not among, <laughs> uh, you know, most of the folks that are into this stuff. Um, and like, for example, the Buddhists, this is the whole crutch of their tradition. You know, it's recognizing that suffering... Yeah. Uh, comes from attachment and, and through going about this in a certain way yeah it has a role uh, you can give it its place and because of all this you know life becomes more equanimous so th that whole thing applies too to this understanding of the the good and the bad in in um, life and therefore you know the ter the devil must be dethroned um, before the holy spirit can take the throne and so on you know that's all part of the story too um, and that's why why I think it's really amazing. Um, it's such a good blueprint, you know, from for uh, taking actual steps in your everyday life. You know, really change things around. And it's a mystical template, sure, but you know, it's no 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 um, surprise that even businesses and like psychologists and stuff uh, they've taken up tarot for management practice um like team building hr reflection uh, i don't know all sorts of stuff because it's just that potent you know it speaks to the imaginative and and like subconscious side of of the individual as well as their um, like idea processing um side and so on it's a it's a very interesting uh, thing in that sense i've always said that I could go on about why tarot is so cool forever but i'll i'll shut up for now I've always said that symbols are the language to the soul, right? And when you learn the symbols to the uninitiated, a symbol may just be some glyph or something, some empty symbol, but to the initiated, it's something, it's a whole new language. It's a whole new world of understanding and another way to speak. So when these yeah. symbols, they speak to the subconscious and they affect Right, that's the whole thing with a lot of magical practices. That subconscious, that 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 dark self, that 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 deeper aspect of the mind that you want to tap into to use to its fullest potential. So when you have these essentially sigils implementing and implanting themselves in someone's psyche or their subconscious, it's going to have powerful effects. But one of the main things to for that to be able to work is you have to believe too, right? That's another thing. You have to be open to change. <laughs> and that's one of the more important things Absolutely. of this practice. Where, where when it comes to magic, a lot of people would forget that you do have to believe in it. And I always go back and reference the placebo effect. That effect that the placebo effect has on people is the effect that you want to replicate. That's one of the most, that's one of the most powerful effects that there ever is. And I had my brother-in-law telling me a story about how they about something that led to what I was thinking was a placebo effect. And I was like, dude, don't you think it was maybe in your mind that, 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 that happened? And that's why it helped you. He's like, no, dude, it really did help me. Like, All right. 
I mean, sure. That's that's. It was an unorthodox way of doing something, and I was like, okay, <laughs> right on. More power to you. Hey, did it help you? Yeah. Do you feel better? Oh, then, awesome, dude. That's a hundred percent what you want. But in magic, you want to replicate that placebo effect. That that that's you know bringing change into the real. They always tell us mind over matter, right? So, if you think it, and that's the yeah, whole thing. Cool. Um... Sorry. Another cool angle to look at that maybe would be, uh, you know, the, the popular phrase by uh, Lon Miller Duquette. It's like, uh, and he's, he's into uh, Golden Dawn and, and Kabbalah stuff too, uh, Hermetic Kabbalah stuff. He says, you know, it's all in your head, but you've no idea how um, how much that really is or, you know, how, how far <laughs> it really reaches. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit of both, maybe, <laughs> for sure. And at least, um, yeah, again, we're talking about self-conditioning, right? Um, all these habits of thinking and acting, they're definitely going to determine um, where you're going to go to an extent, you know. Uh, if you're not a risk taker by habit, even if it's like calculated risks, you know, you might spend all of your life indoors, you know, whether if you just take a little bit of time to recondition this part of yourself, which, you know, don't um push it too hard you know uh, you're you're fine the way you are but it, it's worth it and possible to make small changes and and really um yeah have a more meaningful life because of it um and I would say, you know, uh, I'm definitely I, I still feel like I'm uh, an introvert very much but um yeah, thanks to um, some of the ideas, you know, again, in, um, more mundane philosophy stuff or stoicism or even more magical kind of stuff. It's just driven home the understanding of, you know, take the challenge and take the time to develop these things about yourself because, um, you know, at the end of that, and it's not even that much work, um, again, there's so much more to experience and, and to do and, um, you know, also to bestow you know like um when you're in a good place when you have your things in order uh, when you've taken care of the things you need to take care of then you have time to i don't know uh be artistic or uh be um, a volunteer or or do charity or any 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 kind of stuff like that right um do you have a staff like primary Tara? motivation do you use a do you use a staff at all bro in the ceremonial magic yeah <laughs> it's definitely part of the 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 setup yeah um the golden dawn tools you know you've got uh, the the four suits of the tarot and uh, the dagger the cup uh the wand and the cup and the uh disc uh, of earth oh wow so, I just, yeah i learned I'm, something uh, new I'm today a wand swinger that's <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a guided tour of the VR Mystery School for my audience and wh for whoever's sure. going to be watching on on YouTube? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, should I drop us a portal? All right, here we are. Can I get a tour of the VR Mystery School with Tarot Reader Frog? Hey, Juan, welcome. <laughs> you made it. Yeah, this is uh, VR Mystery School. So for those that want, I'm going to post Is your mic the, still working? 
Oh, can you hear me? Wow. Okay. I was talking to myself. I said, uh, here we are, a guided tour by Terror Reader Frog. I had to activate the the mic. We are going through portals, jumping through. We're doing some magic, jumping through portals and shit here in VR Mystery School. And yeah, this is some of the scenery. Here we have the mountains here in the background. Do you have any more plans for this place, Tara? What, what, what's in the works, dude? Like, what do you guys got going on here soon? Oh, man. Don't get me started. There's like um, at least 100 tasks. Um, I keep several uh, scrum boards for all the different things that are uh, there to work on, you know, from features uh, for the VR space to uh, events to organize. And um, uh, we're also going to have a booth at VRCon, for example. It's like a convention that shows up. Um, yeah, what's going on in VR chat with different booths on the convention grounds um, and then possibly um, some events there um, on the stage as well. So, uh, yeah, there's all sorts of different stuff going on, too. Um, trying to work on creating lesson materials with some other folks, uh, specifically this time about Hermetic Kabbalah. So if you're interested in that, um, check out in the future. We'll be live in the auditorium. Uh, it's too much, honestly, uh, but it's um, yeah, very fun to work on. And uh, this way, I'm sure we'll never run out of things to do. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. There's so much possible, honestly. Um, the project is hardly scratching the surface, in my opinion. Would this be considered um, a virtual this... tour? Or like, how would this work? <laughs> you know what I mean? When you get a virtual tour of a place, would this be considered uh, that? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's all virtual VR here, right? Um, yeah, the place itself, it's a little bit simple, uh, looks wise, uh, that's mostly to accommodate for people with lower end systems. Mm. Um, and one of the things we're working on is, uh, creating a toggle, right? So upon entry, people can switch from super, super high quality to, uh, low quality and anything in between. Um, but those are kind of luxuries and uh, yeah honestly i'm doing most of the development myself so it's not always going as fast considering you know i've got life <laughs> to take care of as well um but hopefully um things will change now that more volunteers are showing up for which i'm very thankful yeah there's over what 400 yeah, people uh, on the on the discord now Discord is now at like 1,500 people. Oh, 1,500. Um, there's also uh, a lot of um, spectators uh, and not necessarily everybody joins or um, or volunteers. But that's all right. You know, it's um, it's no pressure. We're doing just fine even still. <laughs> it's honestly great. There I am. That's my screen name right there. Part of the Patreon. Check that shit out. Yeah, it's also thanks to the patrons that um, it's becoming more and more manageable to uh, to spend some more time on this place. It would be really great if I can at, at some point just spend a whole day uh, running homemade uh, lesson material or other kind of activities, right? Once a, One day a week. That would be so awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Hey, the sky's the limit, though, right? Um, yeah. yeah, we'll see where the ship uh, ends up. Here's actually a poster of the um, Hermetic Kabbalah lessons that are upcoming. It says uh, Q1 of 2022. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a little bit late with that, but uh, it'll, it'll come, don't worry. Here's the weekly events. 
So we've got um, video materials on Sundays. Um, and actually, next Sunday, we have a live presentation by uh, one of the meditation teachers, uh, Quinimity. Uh, he'll give a presentation on uh, Buddhist ethics. Um, that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, Saturdays, that's the events you've been to. You know, people talking mostly about, um, you know, solitary practice. So many uh, of the people here, they are into this stuff, but they're like the only person uh, in their friend group who is into this, or they don't know anybody online. Welcome to the so club. So Saturdays is where everybody comes, uh, to, yeah, to, comes together to share their challenges, their insights, their progress, and um, yeah, we just talk about that side of things. Um, yeah, Wednesdays are more casual hangouts. And um, Mondays, um, as we speak right now, um, there is a meditation lesson going on. It's super accessible kind of stuff, you know, to people with all sorts of backgrounds, whether you're um, deeply spiritual, you know, or just looking for a way to increase your focus or, uh, you know, get rid of mental chatter um, and those kind of things. So that's why we're really trying to um, to be consistent with offering that, that activity every week. There's even two um, sessions, one for EU time zones, one for US. Um, yeah, I'm going for a year now, so that's a lot of people who have picked up meditation or had at least a taste of it. And I think, uh, you know, as far as that goes, that's really uh, one of the more awesome things about this project. It's really uh, doing as intended, you know, connecting people to this kind of information which is uh, very simple easy to use anybody can do it um and, and make an immediate change in their life so I'm, I'm very happy about that it's like a great great success <laughs> as far as that uh, part goes as long as it helps somebody right that's the whole thing even if it changes just one person's perspective or exactly i think it's all worth it. that's why i love doing the podcast bringing awareness and having fun while doing it too that, that's the thing once it becomes a chore then i think you take the fun out of it and i think it's part of the alchemical process where when you when your passion shines through it rubs off on your work and you're able to portray that and Absolutely, people are able to yeah. sense that you know yeah that's very important i think this is really it's like cool. the driving factor for you to keep to keep doing it right if you have uh, enough joy <laughs> that's very important and then the material stuff right the, the the money comes after which is cool too right i like money but i think people when they get into podcasting they do it for all the wrong reasons and i don't think it's about making money i think it's about and some people are very generous right uh, with their donations and whatnot uh, shout out to those people they know who they are but Again, it's not about that. It's about bringing awareness. But we do, me as a podcaster, I do put a lot of time doing research and and reaching out to people like you, right? I appreciate your time as well for coming on and doing this with me. But people don't see what happens behind yeah, the scenes. I appreciate you for inviting me. <laughs> they only see the, fin the finished product, yeah, sure. you know? Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, but yeah, again, a lot of fun too. Um, I'm not sure how you're feeling, but for me, it's uh, very hard to ever um, take a break even from, you know, doing stuff. But yeah, VR is just so much of a fun medium too. There's so many different things. And um, yeah, there's this VR space now, but I'm also hoping to uh, free up time in the future for completely new worlds. 
you know, immersive um, experiences and, and really push the, um, the envelope a little with um, yeah, creating something completely new and, uh, and mind-blowing. Uh, have um, you, you know, ever heard of such a nice canvas? <laughs> have you ever heard of the Library of Babel? I'm not sure what's that. It's a. I'm gonna send you because I I was introduced to it, but it's uh, it's pretty much an endless library, right? It's like corridor after corridor, and it's supposedly uh, the library that was at Babel. I don't know. Uh, so it, it's a really interesting concept, but that would be a nice concept to bring to life in VR. This endless world of just esoteric and occult literature, just endless corridors. You go through this portal, <laughs> you just keep going and going, almost like an Inception type of thing. I think that would be really cool. If, again, I try to make my own avatar and everything because I do some CAD work, right? Uh, computer assisted design, 3D work. and cool. uh, But I'm not able to upload anything because uh, my account is not up to the standards, I guess. So... Yeah, you need to spend some time in VR chat, and then you'll um, get bumped up to like a next uh, trust level, I think they call it. Yeah. At that point, you're able to publish stuff like worlds and avatars. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So, but again, I'm not. I don't spend enough time. The only reason I've been on VR chat as of late has been for the the hangouts in VR Mystery School. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> that's cool. You know, people have lives, and we can't <laughs> uh, live a. It's like the guy yeah. from Avatar. He literally would rather be in the Avatar body than in his real world. Because how I mentioned at the beginning of the show, some people they eat, breathe, and shit this stuff. So it's they rather be in this Avatar world than yeah, in the real world. It, it definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. There's you know absolutely some kind of a. absurd like or morbid curiosity side to that which makes it really interesting of course you know what happens when somebody does that but honestly after spending like um, the time I've spent in VR chat almost three years now and you see it all um, you know repeated um, yeah it's definitely uh, you can tell this is going to be one of the major issues for the future people are already in treatment for game addiction and stuff right Um, this is um, an extra hurdle for those who are easily addicted <laughs> when it comes to yeah. maintaining uh, a balanced life. But yeah, it's not impossible, of course. Um, it goes to show how important it is actually to work on yourself, you know, and um, and bring balance to your own life and your own constitution and your relationship to uh, the outside world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So what do we have here? We have the... I was looking at these. Bunch of art, yeah. Splendor yeah, Solus. This is from Splendor Solus. There's a whole bunch of uh, art here. I think it might be a little too much to go um, by all of them, but they all have interesting stories, and that's why also of these artworks they are um, given with the, the factual information, you know, so you can look up more about them. We do talk about them now and again. You know, yeah, for example, here Freemasonic tracing boards. The Islamic mystics who are doing their ecstatic rituals, which is uh, mostly dancing. Very interesting stuff. And here's a Masonic tracing board, yeah. Uh, Jacob's Ladder. Yeah. Yeah, it might trigger some of your viewers, but again, you know, there's a side to the Masonic philosophy, which is just, uh, you know, it's a reinterpretation of, um, of some. Um, yeah, esoteric medieval wisdom. Um, One of my co-hosts is a Freemason. It's not so. all bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, so I have nothing against Freemasons or cool people or anybody in a secret society. I always say as long as you don't hurt yourself or others, practice whatever the fuck you want to practice. I know, right? You want to like, uh, worship Cthulhu or the spaghetti yeah. monster, do your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the belief that, that makes somebody a good or a bad person. It's the, the, their actions and the content of their heart and their mind, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's really cool, and then you have the library in here. We spent some time here the yeah, other day. Yeah, that's one of the, um, the most exciting places for a lot of people. Yeah, like we talked about, you can click on any of these books and get uh, information about them. Um, so it, a lot of the trouble of selecting the good works is already done for, for you here. Um, there's only critically acclaimed titles in here. Uh, 300 and counting <laughs> so any kind of mystical or spiritual or uh, personal development kind of topic um, there's there's good ways into that stuff here it's like my ipad um, if anybody is ever reading for some material or looking for some reading material you know uh, feel free to stop by <laughs> there's different sections general and ceremonial magic grimoire magic neoplatonism and rosicrucianism it's probably my favorite section here we have Hermetic Kabbalah with a Q, Tarot, Classic Hermeticism and Alchemy, a lot of great stuff. I was actually browsing the other day in here looking at all the stuff before we had set up. It's kind of the, the paganism aisle, kind of. Really awesome stuff in here. And again, it's just a place, everybody that I've met so far in the community is super nice. And... Yeah, here's a poster I made myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, made the community nice. is honestly great. You ever look into Jason Louvre? Rings a bell. Um, but I have to look at that. Uh, my memory isn't always as good. <laughs> I apologize for that. Yeah, he's a magic.me. He's a... a, a he does magic and he writes about it. Oh, right. Yeah, I think, uh, isn't he the guy doing the NFT stuff? Is he? I'm not, uh, maybe. I'm, I'm not, not sure. It might be somebody else. Seven chakras, cheat sheet. A lot of great stuff in here. Oh, yeah, that is him. Is it? He's doing NFTs now? Yeah, he's doing something uh, a little dodgy, but I'm not going to uh, <laughs> use our time to... Uh, to say anything bad about anything <laughs> or yeah. anyone i don't know him i just i've read his books and be hater i love this is my favorite this is the gnostic cosmology is my favorite uh yeah it's really interesting picture of the gnostic it's a little dark though <laughs> yeah it is y'all you got y'all the ball shout out to y'all the ball bro the 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 og and his uh Arconic, Arcontic cronies. We have the Tetractus here with the monad at the top. We talked about this earlier. The four elements, and it's a pretty much a breakdown of reality. Yeah, it's a really cool diagram. Dead. I didn't know so much about it until recently. Um, it's really uh, a useful little uh, device, but maybe. Um, Let's save that for next episode. <laughs> for yeah. Next time. Yeah, I love. I'm um, a really. Uh, it's like big, an hour long conversation on its own. <laughs> Pythagoras uh, fan. So I've studied Pythagoras a lot. 
and read a lot of his work. Well, Iamblichus's work, because Pythagoras never wrote anything. <laughs> so what's this? John Yates. Have you ever heard of Francis Yates? She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They're not related, though, as far as I know. Um, this is our top one recommendation. Kind of goes hand in hand with the meditation lessons I told you about. Uh, this book is um, yeah, a recently written guide for um, modern people. Um, I guess also kind of, you know, um, general English-speaking public, wherever they live in the world, um, presents yeah, traditional Buddhist uh, practice of mindfulness uh, meditation. Um, and it does uh, involve some insights from modern psychology and uh, neurology. Uh, but above all, you know, it's just, again, uh, a very solid work that helps you get started from a uh, total noob. It doesn't matter what your experience is. Um, it takes you through the entire process. It's like a, a one like a 10 stage um, process of uh, evolving through meditation. Um, yeah, it's so accessible, so helpful, uh, you know, such a healthy thing to do. That's why it's here on a pedestal um, and we recommend it to anybody who is, um, you know, interested in do doing something practical, I'm not sure what they want to do, you know, maybe people want to start doing something that feels like a bit of a ritual every day, you know, um, they want to work on that side of themselves. Well, then this is a definitely a fantastic place to start, you know, uh, again, the results are tangible in a relatively short time. Uh, helps with focus and you know uh, staying in the saddle of your your mind and consciousness rather than um, being taken for a ride by by all these things that come along whether they're good or bad experiences or uh, things coming from your own mind or from the outside you know really helps you um, become more stable person so yeah um, top one recommendation here Awesome, and that is. There you can go into um, yeah, it's the mind illuminated by uh, John. It's it's available on archive.org for free, just like it says in the sign here. Totally legal, um, you know, publicly yeah. accessible. And there has been actually a talk at the school here, a very long one, seven hours by um, a student of the writer. Oh, uh, really? Very interesting. So if that's you're cool. if you're interested in. Um, yeah, the, the nitty-gritty of, of Buddhist theory and practice, then uh, you can find that on our uh, YouTube channel. That's awesome. It talks by Sun Tzu. Let's see here. Let's go. You have yeah, I, really good stuff. I Ching here, which is another form of divination. I've never done it. Yeah, it's like Chinese uh, or Taoist um, divination. Really fun that you can, you know, program these things together in VR, just make it accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can interact with all this stuff and you can come in here and do your own thing. I don't know what I just divinated there, but yeah, I got all the reference information. We got some stuff here. We so got you a, can learn uh, by yourself. A present 11 advance. I don't know. Some trigram B earth. I don't know what this means. So. <laughs> Hey, you can look it up on the on the screen here. So if you've got trigram 11, or uh, sorry, uh, uh, hexagram 11, here on the, the menu, you click to uh, 11 to, or 10 to 19, and then it should be at the top. Oh. Heaven this and Earth. This is like your oracle. Embrace giving birth to peace. A superior person serves as a midwife presenting a new birth. Newborn gift to the people. The small depart. 
the great approach success good fortune oh yeah we got good fortune hell yeah that's what i'm talking about <laughs> Yeah, and as you see, even things like this can still use some development, you know, um, becoming more intuitive, more interactive, people actually picking up the coins and tossing them by hand instead of clicking on them, mm. or, um, you know, the information popping up automatically. So these are all, um, if it's here, it's still being worked on regardless. <laughs> Everything's always being worked on. A hundred percent. That's that's podcasting too, right? We have, it's an ongoing experience yeah. as I learn more and more to bring new material to the show I can only read so many books at a time. I don't know about you, but I find myself reading <laughs> about five books at a time on certain on different subjects. I get bored of one, you know, after reading it for an hour, pick up another one, uh, get bored of that one, you know, wait till the next day, start reading another one uh, until I finish all five and then I move on. I really like this portrait of you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your visit. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. Hell yeah. Let's go upstairs and see what's up there. AI made. Yeah, there's some more um, interesting VR kind of stuff there. Something to show off. So there's the tarot decks. Can shuffle them, pick them up. And again, look up the. Um, oh, you can sh uh, turn them around with the I, O, U, J, K, and L buttons on your keyboard. Oh. Oh, and inverted. What the hell is this? I inverted it. <laughs> well, you turned it around just now. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's see here. What card is this, bro? What art is this? Is this? It's not Rider White, no. Uh, yeah, this is the Rider White. That's a five of wands. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never looked so, at this uh, before. It's a little bit of play fighting, you know. It's um. It's a little bit of struggle and stress and things going on, but it's uh, it's not a real battle to, to death or anything. There's things being learned. <laughs> Let's draw one more. See what we got. We got the five, is it pentacles? Is it uh, seven of eight of pentacles? Is that what that is? Yeah, patient, hard labor. So is it a two of cups right here? Is that what that is? Yeah. We got the five of the five of the sticks, and then uh, eight of the pentacles. I've been studying the Napal tarot. Excuse me, as I don't know what these mean. <laughs> but I've been well. You know, I kind of stopped trying to hold on to all of it with your brain. If you spend enough time around it, you mm. will pick stuff up. But um, you know, there's so much awesome literature. Um, I really feel people cut themselves short when they only re rely on their memory oh. and they don't refer to uh, the books they have laying around, you know. There's a really awesome tarot book. Um, I'm a total fanboy of uh, uh, Susan Chang. Um, she's kind of um, yeah, relatively recently started uh, writing and publishing on tarot and she's written like the tarot bible. <laughs> Uh, tarot deciphered it's like 600 uh, pages for 20 bucks oh, i mean shit. why why try to do it all you know with your uh, memory if you can use an awesome tool like that mm -hmm. it's got all the information so we have here all the tarot kind of like a yeah it's just a, if you want to study the images a little further up close you can use this um this board here that, that's also part of the practice, right? Being able to meditate and, and almost go into the picture of of it. and yeah, It's one side of it, yeah, for sure. That's yeah. the whole path working, um, visionary experience kind of thing. 
but it's also you know sometimes you see things that are so small um and even still the the image isn't super uh sharp but you can see more detail i guess another idea taro like a little making flower here <laughs> making the tarot into portals and people can actually go into the tarot and have everything from the tarot inside that would take a while but <laughs> that'd be a cool idea right absolutely yeah that's that's on the agenda already <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have the trio live here that's gonna be crazy yeah there's a 3d version and there's a 2d version Oh, you right can now, toggle it. Shows the names, but um, it will be interactable uh, also in the future. So you can just touch one of the parts and um, see all the information. And you said that you and haven't then, been uh, in your own world with a VR headset, right? Oh, I have been. Yeah, for sure. Um, I got a, um, a very generous donation quite uh, recently, um, which was an Oculus Quest Two. <laughs> oh shit. Um, donator who wishes to remain uh, remain anonymous, um, yeah, was responsible for me first experiencing it in VR. Nice, and it's absolutely um, really crazy, you know, working on a place like this for two two years, and then experiencing it this different way. But it also showed me that you know there's much much more to work on, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I have to visit it. I have but my headset. The case. <laughs> I have to visit it in VR, like the actual headset. I haven't visited it yet with the headset on, so. Ah, cool. It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's... so that's pretty much it for the library. Here's the Thoth deck we talked about a little bit earlier. Yeah, everything's broken. Same down. idea, different deck. Awesome, let's move on to the, what is it, the gathering room, I think it is? Yeah. Oops. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, this is the lounge. Um, I guess this is where people hang out, have casual conversation, but uh, anytime we have like community chat based activity, it's also in this place. Uh, kind of comfortable. And here's a um, funny little thing. If uh, people donate above a certain amount, uh, they are able to leave a message and an image uh, attached to one of these candles. So uh, you can hoover your mouse over the candles to see the messages. And some of them, if you interact, uh, you'll see the image of their change. And these will stay here uh, until VRChat stops existing. <laughs> so that's kind of a cool feature. People can... Um, come back here you know share this shrine kind of experience with their friends it's kind of a little bit of a experiment with you know what is possible in vr um does it have emotional value well for some people it definitely does yeah i came up to this the other day and i didn't know how it works so now i know how it works <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it says in memory and celebration, or at least my best attempt at it anyway. <laughs> I don't speak Latin. We have the gathering room here. I've been here a few times. It's where we conjure spirits yeah, and stuff. Where, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's another room for that. Here we conjure uh, good times and conversations. <laughs> we have a bar here. 
Yeah, a little coffee corner with home brand coffee as well. Oh yeah, I saw that. It was really cool. Some pictures. Is he holding a seal? What is he holding up there? Is that a seal? I think it's a fish. Oh. Yeah, that's a fish. Wh who is that? What art? What, what angel is that? Uh, that's Raphael. He's holding fish. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Saint oh. Raphael by Miguel Cabrera. Okay, seventeen or Spanish? I'm not sure. Yeah, probably Italian. There you go. Who's this guy? Ibn Sina. Ibn Sina. Avicenna. Yeah, or his uh, Latinized name was Avicenna. Um, he was an interesting philosopher. Kind of um, popular in the West as well as uh, the Arabic world. Um, I think he's lumped in with the alchemists and the Platonists. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, my memory is leaving me again. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good, dude. Trust me, I, I can really... Very interesting, that guy, though. We have another painting here. A lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, this is a Buddhist mandala. Got a little bit... Um, trying to represent uh, many different traditions. Yeah, and of course, 3D art is also pretty neat. Uh, that we can do bad. Oh, like this right here? Like these busts. That's cool. And this is a different... Maybe the next time I hop in here, I'm going to hop in here with my headset. It's a lot of... It's a different experience. <laughs> going up to everything. I got some alchemical... You know that I was actually... I had... So, one of these... I think it's this one up here. It's part of... Uh, I think it's Kunrath or Kunthar. Yeah, Heinrich Kun... Uh, I've never seen it spelled like that. Yeah, Kunrath, I think it's uh, the spelling that I've seen it. I was actually mm -hmm. the... the It's the... I forget the damn name of Eternal Wisdom. Uh, the... Anyways, it's the a... Emerald tablet, right? No, no, no. It was a different... It was, it was Alchemical Plates by Heinrich. And I was actually going to... Well, yeah, th this painting, I think it's in, uh, damn, what the fuck's the name? It's something eternal wisdom. Anyways, I know a guy who has, uh, one of the three copies uh, or four copies and he owns a oh, bookstore really? and I was going to do an interview with him <laughs> awesome. and ha actually see the actual chemical plates. And he actually flaked on me last minute. So oh, I'm sure you'll get around to it eventually. Yeah, yeah, hopefully so, because that'd be really dope. But the book's worth like $23,000. <laughs> oh, damn. So we have a gym yeah, in here. This is uh, still a little bit empty. We've got a gym with um, yeah, a couple of toggleable features. The idea is to uh, maybe do, um, you know, basic martial arts exercises or uh, yoga, tai chi, um, I don't know, Alexander method, any kind of... Uh, <laughs> Um, physical activity would be hosted here, but uh, the truth is we haven't really um, had the capacity for that yet. Yeah, I don't know, um, know how to do gestures. I don't know how to do that. Not every, 
not every VR chat or sorry, not every VR headset has um, a body tracking, right? Yeah. So for somebody to give a real proper uh, demonstration, they would require all that hardware uh, to wear and to translate their, their bodily movements into the game. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of a thing to ask for somebody to have that, um, know the stuff at a teaching capacity, also have time to teach and want to, of course, and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's a developing so, yeah. thing, so hopefully anybody listening can volunteer. And <laughs> that would be great, yeah. Help out. I'm sure in time, uh, you know, we're still kind of early in the whole VR thing, so in time I'm sure more um, uh, folks like that will show up. Do you want to see the auditorium, or you want to save that for later? Uh, which what do we have left? We have this is the auditorium here. Yeah. Yeah, as you can see on the poster here, anything that's happening inside this room that's worth sharing, uh, we upload it on the YouTube channel. Um, it's just a auditorium room with a big screen. Uh, we got the slideshow system here as well. Um, and we also do the Sunday screenings here. What was this past Sunday's one? my shit for this room. Uh, it was Spinoza, actually. We, uh, that was yesterday. We went into um, yeah, a good hour and 44 minutes, two videos. Um, yeah, Spinoza, Dutch philosopher, very interesting guy. Mm. Yeah, I've um, heard of him. Some of his stuff gets really complicated, but also, you know, if your viewers are interested in, like, uh, one of the greater philosophers um, who has some super interesting things to say about ideas like God or what it means to have a good life and so on, you know, look up Spinoza or, like, some, some kind of a video that explains that stuff in, in a um, uh, more accessible way. Um, you'll still be able to get much of the, the profound... Um, quality of his teachings uh, through that and that's exactly uh, what we did yesterday is that late 1800s is that is that when he was around i forgot when it was exactly but it, it's not that if it's not that then it's not far from that <laughs> you know, it's very close to to uh to 1800s i suppose maybe uh, renaissance uh ish mm. i'm saying i might have ran um, into him while doing research on nietzsche which is uh, late 1800s around there mid late it's definitely before Nietzsche I think why is it so dark in here bro you never the, told uh, me point. well you're about to find out I guess are we crossing the abyss <laughs> is this signif significant of crossing the abyss yeah yeah we just crossed the abyss just now oh yeah it's kind of a quiet hint over here did you notice anything about the world is it is it dark outside well, if you look at this picture, this is the hint. Oh, I get damn. You see? I see it. Yeah, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, so you spawn in Malkuth here. And then um, we're just beyond the um, translucent sphere there at the throat. Throat chakra there. So you, you're going to build these other? What are they called? Are they called sephiras? Is that what they're called? Well, the purple one is the room with the, the pool and the moon, right? Mm -hmm. The orange one is the library. Oh. The green one is the garden. The red one is the um, gym. 
the auditorium is the blue one, uh, the hangout is the yellow one. These conference rooms are the black and the white one, and that remains, that means there only remains one. <laughs> it's the temple. Well, which, what's this over here? Is this a, oh, a conference room, so we just get in here, we talk and shit. And draw. Yeah, there is a, a kind of cool feature. I'm not sure if the syncing on it works. You need to fix the bugs. That's very close to to uh, to 1800. Yeah, there is a, a kind of cool feature. I'm not sure if the syncing on it works. Well, I just I just bugged out there for a second. I'm not gonna touch that again. <laughs> yeah, you can try toggling one of the templates on this uh, menu over here. Oh wow. Okay. Where is it at though? I can't see. Not sure if it works for you though. Let no. me know. I think it's a little bug. Yeah, it's not. Uh, this there is it is. Did I do it? Yeah, it's working. I just saw it. Yeah, cool. Oh, it's just there. Yeah, so the idea is you can just um, select um, a template here and use the pens to interact with it. So that goes from esoteric diagrams to. Uh, magical squares or uh, you know empty zodiac wheel that can be filled out with the current situation to then talk about that kind of stuff and so on kind of just general facilities for people to share a learning experience <laughs> that's awesome more art and then you have here the, another conference room yeah it's the same uh, exact thing as the other one and this is the temple. And we have a temple. And this is modeled is after... That, um... Oh yeah, it's modeled after a Golden Dawn uh, temple. Those come in actually very many configurations. Uh, these are just some of the most basic features that are shared among all of them. So there's not a whole lot here. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a taste of what is possible in VR, right? These were all uh, custom-made assets. Nice. Can turn off the information signs here, um, so you can get a feel for it without any of that. This is the thing about this, right? People are able to make their own temples and do their own thing in the VR space, which is yeah. very for those who can't afford to build this on a grander scale like this. They can do it for, they can probably hire somebody on Fiverr to do it for them or something. A cheaper alternative than actual real estate. So that's another attractive thing about the VR. Yeah, it's space. already kind of happening now, but it will only happen more in the future, you know. Um, the prices will go down for getting custom stuff made to use in VR. I'm absolutely certain that many people will uh, use it. It's interesting, though, we haven't really talked about that much yet, but. Um, you know, there are certain things to be said about, uh, you know, what are the possible applications of VR to, I don't know, learning stuff, but also uh, mysticism, um, magic, and that kind of things. Um, and, you know, there's many, but there's also uh, hurdles or, or issues here and there. Um, you know, for example, if so much of um, doing effective magic uh, depends on you having a, a very lively experience of, of things uh, as an individual, you know, and you start offloading all these kind of things onto your VR headset, you know, what remains of the experience you're having? Um, 
are you still immersed to the point where it's going to work and, and those kind of issues kind of arise you know mm-hmm. but um, yeah there's also uh, i think depending on, on what people are looking at the application and the ideas they have um, yeah it's definitely possible to figure out ways to employ these new technologies ar vr whatever it is to to really uh, put them uh, in use for advantage um, yeah, and I think spaces like this can be something like that. Um, uh, another, you know, more mundane example is that they're treating uh, soldiers with extreme uh, trauma, um, also with VR. You know, they let them relive the experience, but in a different context. And uh, doing so, just a second. Uh, yeah, doing so um, actually resolves. Uh, their condition you know it's like an actual cure Uh, and it's all a matter of of figuring out what happens you know coming up with a cool design or a quality design based on actual research and experimentation and uh, then putting it to use so uh, again yeah not everything is going to just outright work but with proper thinking and and design uh, people are going to be able to come up with a, a whole bunch of insanely a useful and interesting um, applications of this stuff. It's the opposite of a sensory uh, yeah. deprivation tank, actually, because you're overloading the senses to relive it and just, I guess, get used to. It. I don't know, condi- condition it to get used <laughs> to the the trauma. Absolutely. And then there's that one thing in the back. I, w- I think we went in there the other day. What's the name of this space? Right, it's the vault of the adepti. Yeah, it's, um, again, most of the stuff, or actually all of the stuff in this room right now reflects Golden Dawn tradition. Um, and it's kind of, I guess, uh, it sounds weird, but to say uh, it's a meme to uh, try to recreate some of these things. Um, you know, what we have to go off is like, relatively ambiguous instructions from a couple texts you know even the golden dawn folks weren't exactly uh super clear about how this room is put together so then it takes a little bit of research and a little bit of uh, messing around and um yeah i would say that this is actually at this point a relatively accurate representation of the um and the vault of the adepti and some other folks have tried to create them uh, before in, in other platforms or uh, video game engines and so on um yeah but often with inaccuracies uh, you know from the tints of every tile to the positions the spellings of the words and so on um it's all significant um so then it's kind of funny to to both understand that and also understand that you know even though it's all meant to have its place and specific tint and this and that also nobody really knew how to do it um, but yeah then uh, after i guess a couple decades people have been breaking their heads over this and uh, different uh, folks and orders and writers have come up with different answers to the problem and um is the tomb of rosen you know, over huh? here <laughs> Yeah, it's related to that. That's uh, like the primary motif for the the room itself. And um, yeah, the way it's used in the Golden Dawn system, it's not super interesting um, in, in like the broader sense. But it's when you have completed certain steps along the way of the the development process, you reach like a threshold, 
And uh, when you reach that threshold, you're supposed to do a certain uh, ritual as a marker for that moment. And you do that in here. Um, any details people want to uh, look up, they can find it in Rivergardi's Golden Dawn um, uh, book or yeah, other resources online. Awesome. It's basically um, you know, just a step along the way in initiation. That's what this room is all about. But it's uh, such an impressive looking thing and like overload of, of pictures and symbols and colors. Um, it's just really interesting to put on display. Um, the broader idea here, though, is that uh, you know eventually you can just click buttons and you will switch out the interior of the room for different types of temples. You know, mm -hmm. Greek, uh, Egyptian, uh, even the the major religions, or uh, I don't know, a Gnostic uh, ritual cave. <laughs> you know, that's the beauty of VR. Um, it's just a matter of getting the assets made, which is kind of intensive, but yeah, we'll get there too eventually. Oh, enough time and money. I mean, anything is possible, right? What the fuck do we get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the room to exit. Very cool. The door, yeah. yeah, that's about it for the, the place itself. I love it, dude. I guess the only thing we haven't seen it is uh, with people in it. <laughs> well, you have, but your viewers haven't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's definitely, you know, of course, what makes the, the whole place. It's fun to walk around here and, and use the interactive features. But um, I would say the most value is really connecting with people who have um, your best interest at heart, have um, some experience to talk from and, you know, are, are chill enough to to really be fun to be around and uh, and have good conversations with. That's really what um, yeah has made it most worth it in the end for me to keep um, working on this project community is really awesome yeah I, I have a lot of fun here and, and talking to you and everybody that i've met so far again i've added a few of them they seem like cool individuals i might have a couple of them on i might reach out i like a couple of them that that seem, <laughs> seem to know their stuff so we'll see what happens with that any any closing thoughts taro that you want to add and leave the listeners with here as we wrap this up maybe real quickly um you know reasons to pursue practice or study of um of these kind of things you know other than just uh, the intellectual exercise i wrote those down earlier right so uh, what it helped me do is uh, it's another venue or like uh, angle from which uh, you can refine your um uh, like a model and understanding of the world, you know, how things work um, and therefore also, you know, what you should do um, for desirable outcomes. And, you know, you use science and, and reason and, and all these other uh, things just as much as you use um, uh, philosophy and mysticism and so on. But if you use them all together, you know, that's um, potentially a very uh, cool cocktail. Um, so that's like one thing. Um, the metacognitive perception is uh, important, right? Um, for example, with mindfulness meditation, it's possible to come to a point where, um, you know, the things you experience, they don't overpower you anymore, uh, but they are more like things that, that come and float by like a cloud, you know, and you can analyze them. It's like, okay, this sensation of anger is, is uh, arising now. Um, 
how am I going to react to this instead of being consumed by the anger or, or the anxiety or whatever kind of thing that is, you know? And, you know, in Western esotericism, there are practices focused on this, but definitely the Buddhists, they have it out in the open and super uh, plain language. Uh, you know, we talked about that too, the, the Mind Illuminated book and so on. The other thing, uh, finding out who you really are, right? Underneath all these layers of <laughs> baggage, um, frustration, traumatic experiences, uh, things you over-identify with. Who are you really? You know, it's uh, an answer that takes a while to figure out. And you might never figure it out entirely, but it's worth it to uh, be true to yourself, you know? Um, for ethical reasons, but also, you know, if you spend so much time um, behaving like who you're not, <laughs> it's going to be frustrating, stressful, you know, your life will be shorter because you're living through so much stress and your life will be more agonizing. So, um, yeah, figuring out who you really are and then acting in accordance with that or also acting to improve that, you know, those are all very valuable things to me or, or so I feel after um, being around this kind of stuff for a little bit. Um, yeah, the mystical death and rebirth thing we talked about, you know, that's that's a super interesting thing to approach from different uh, spiritual traditions. You know, what if you let go of uh, your lower nature and allow your um, higher nature, you know, the part of you that knows best uh, to really manifest itself? And what if you take that seriously? Um, yeah, and the idea of fast-tracking personal development, you know. I'm a late bloomer with everything in life, literally everything. And I found that through taking this kind of stuff seriously, uh, even, you know, um, uh, not just the philosophy, but also the, the ceremonial magic and just um, more <laughs> or less schizo practices, let's call it, you know. This is all um, things helping you to make up for lost time, you know. Just because uh, you never learned this or that in earlier life stages doesn't mean you can do it now. And again, uh, you know, these different traditions, they have all these tools for you to uh, look at yourself and look at the the world around you again, make more sense of things and help you navigate, you know, it's like a very practical, useful thing. You now have more information and you're more easily able to overcome obstacles or learn from things or uh, have epiphanies more often, you know, and, and those kind of things. So, um, yeah, those are some of the fruits of, um, of pursuing these topics, uh, at least for me. And, and I hope that if your listeners... Um, you know, continue their insights or their, their uh, search in earnest, you know, um, that they might find some of these things as well. I think, you know, um, everybody can do it. Um, it's just a matter of doing it. And that's, uh, yeah, that's the last thing I, I guess I had to say about all that. That was beautiful. I, I really enjoyed that. And absolutely, right, it's a, it's a never-ending journey of finding yourself and working and and how i always tell people do whatever feels right to you how i mentioned earlier if you want to if you want to worship cthulhu so be it don't push it on others and at the end of the day what do the 10 commandments say don't be a piece of shit love each other (laughs) and just be a good person and don't hurt yourself or anybody else and you're okay in my book don't forget the golden rule that's for sure yeah don't be a fucking piece don't be a fucking tool dude Terrell, this was awesome. I really enjoyed this. I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, me too. Thanks, uh, Juan. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And we definitely will talk uh, for hours. Um, 
at VR Mystery School, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe again uh, on the podcast too, if you'll have me at some point. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, thanks uh, again for for inviting me. It's uh, uh, again, uh, I went into this whole project without any expectations but i'm really glad to uh, uh sometimes get an opportunity to talk about it so yeah thanks again for that it really means a lot um yeah absolutely that's it for me the pleasure is all mine taro thank you so much dude for your time had a lot of fun and i will have you on again once i finish that book i will finish it adding it to the endless pile of, of i think i have a, over 170 <laughs> oh, yeah. books in my kindle so uh, oh that, boy! Yeah, it's 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 a journey. Like I said, it's a journey for everybody. And well, it sounds like you're um, you're set up for a very fun time. So uh, <laughs> I applaud that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much, awesome, Taro. Man. Yeah. Thanks again, everyone. I'll uh, catch you next time. Take care. You too.